Like this, oh, like just one song, you know, how are you going to play in a sentimental mood or whatever becomes its whole, because if you play it with, if you take the same lineup and you play with a different bassist, it's going to be fucking different or a different drummer or a different order or doing a different key or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It becomes this whole thing. So it's, it's all about the performance where can you imagine how stupid, like, it's like, oh, I want to hear how someone else plays master of puppets. <laughs> Fuck no, I don't. Um, I don't no. I don't I don't I don't care. Like, I, I don't even want to hear how Metallica <laughs> plays it now. Oh, yeah, honestly. <laughs> I have that record from twenty from thirty years ago. Episode nineteen, recorded January twenty first, twenty twenty two. All right, one more again. Very nice. So uh, Guess who's back? <laughs> I saw someone playing that. No, no, never mind. They were playing slim, real slim shady. Right. It was okay. like some like silly, you know, like they were playing it. Oh, like on a keyboard. Yeah, like looking uh, for like the clavin the clavinet tone, and they got to that uh, and they played the. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But yeah, so here we are with episode uh, probably, I don't even know what number we're oh, at. Boy, if I had to guess, 15, 17 it, maybe? It, yeah, it's somewhere between 15 and 20. Somewhere along um, in there. Not one released yet because I have problems. <laughs> <laughs> commitment, commitment issues such that you cannot commit these to the internet. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what my fucking deal is. <laughs> um but I know. So, so yeah, man. I, so I had this weird thought the other day, or maybe last night, today, and um, sometime in the past week. Yeah, some in a this. I'm still kind of trying to work through it in my head of of what exactly I think about it, what exactly it means. But I, I realize that social media you know, like Facebook and YouTube and whatnot, that it has some become like so so pervasive in my mind that when I think about creating something, a big part of what I'm thinking about is like, well, how am I like I'm 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 pre-writing my Facebook post, like announcing mm. that, oh well, here's this all severed stuff, or here's this podcast I've been working on. Da 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 and and I thought uh, I was thinking about or, or thinking about like the, the ideas I've had for doing stuff on YouTube and whatnot. And, it, and it's like, if YouTube didn't exist, would I, cons- would I still do those things? Videos? Yeah, or- yeah, yeah. Like, would I still want to, you know, do learn songs X, Y, Z, you know, A, you know, A through Z or whatever, mm. um, trying not to make a rush reference. I'm not going to learn that song. You're not going to do YYZ? I'm not going to learn that song, no. No Canadian Um, airport musicals in your future? (laughs) No. Not that I have any. I love Rush. It's not, it's just, it's not in my, not in my, you know, list of songs that I'm just like, hey, everyone, look, guess what? I could do a peart. Like, no, like, I I don't (laughs) know. That man did a peart. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like, would I even consider doing that if, if YouTube wasn't a medium? If that, you know, if that wasn't the medium I was... Are you, are you talking these videos or are you talking like drum lesson videos? I'm talking like drum covers, for instance. Drum covers. As, as an example, right? Like would I, 
Would you, I, the question is, would you videotape yourself doing it? Not necessarily videotape it, but would I go through the effort video to... Videotape. <laughs> I'll never not do that. Would I go through the effort to learn the songs, like, <laughs> note for note? Sure. Um... Not necessarily to not necessarily to video, but just but just sort of thinking about, you know, the you know, how does this that this aspect of, well, I'm going to share this on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever, how does that affect your concept of what you're creating, I guess? I would imagine quite a bit. Because my my guess would be that you probably at least some of those songs you probably wouldn't because I think part of the fun of doing what you're what you're talking about is like not only showing people that you can do it mm-hmm. and then learn like so that I think I, there's at least three parts to that there's like showing people that you can do it there's showing yourself that you can do it but there's also like getting people interested in it mm-hmm. those are the kind of the, maybe the three that I can see right. off the bat and probably you wouldn't have all that with without because there's a precedent there for it, right? Right, right. Like there's I, an example to follow. And then, yeah, yeah, and it's such a, you know. Otherwise, you'd learn the things you want to learn, and, and that's kind of the learn, end of it. And I want to learn those. Sure, yeah. You know? um, but now you have, like, a different aim, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I think it kind of uniquely bumps up against, you know, bad habits and things I like to do. It, it it works very well with my tendency to sort of over plan um, or, you know, over analyze sort of and try to like come up with a bunch of metrics and shit like that. I have a, there's, there's something in me that, that, that like my, my, <laughs> like, like if I make a plan for all the things I'm going to do, I'm almost just as satisfied as if I done them, you know, it's, it's, it's like, well, shit, man, you know, there you go. Like that's the, that was the true creative act was, I mean, <laughs> that in itself is a, it takes a lot of thought and consideration. It's silly it's, though. It's, it's, it's silly and it's, it's counter, it's counterproductive or it's, I, I don't know, I guess it is silly, but only in the context that you're also like creating actual art over here mm-hmm. right because otherwise if that's your creative outlet is to like be really good and detailed and and in depth with your planning like it's not harmful you know it's, no it's not it's, it's a way to get those uh compulsions out there sure and or out of you i guess and so i just it makes me um yeah it just makes me consider things that because, you know, in fucking 2005 or 2003, I don't know, I just made shit and I didn't, I really did not. Right. I didn't, I didn't, I just didn't think, I didn't think ahead about any of it at all. Just, I mean, all I thought about was like, well, of course this is the best thing that anyone has ever heard. Well, again, like at that time, well, okay, 2005, it was like. MySpace was a, was a thing at that point. Barely. B- barely, right. It was like nascent then. No, there, or even 2003. Because like, our right. our process didn't change. Right. So in, that time and before, it was like, what was your possible goal if not to make it for yourself? And I guess for your friends, you know, and maybe to play two people. Right. Out. But right. like there wasn't um, 
there wasn't any other there wasn't anything else to do with it because it was like play for people you know immediately like mm-hmm. your immediate uh, uh, friend group or, or whatever right or get signed to a major label and put it out for the world and that was your two options yeah 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 and and I think that it was very easy to romanticize the latter because I mean that's what that was my plan that was you know I was like well of course we're going to like I'm listening to all these bunk ass bands on Metal Blade <laughs> we're better than all these bands mm-hmm. um, so of course we're going to get you know, we're going to get, we're going to get signed and we're going to tour and we're going to X, Y, Z, you know, and uh, YYZ. <laughs> we're going to Y, Y, Z. We're going to test for echo. <laughs> <laughs> That's part. Yeah. You want to do that before you play a show. Um, and, uh, and, and, and roll so, the bones. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but on our power windows. That's what they said at our last show. They said, farewell to Kings. They said, this is. <laughs> an end of an era uh, you guys are on in uh 2112 seconds <laughs> hope you're ready <laughs> right 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 um yeah so i i, I you know, like when y'all were playing your set man it was just so metal it was just so heavy but it, it, it just it went down really smooth i felt i felt like i was uh like it was a caress of steel oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay all right that's enough of that it's enough of that. All right. Oh man, dude, are you are you, are you slinging some snakes and arrows at That's me? That's what I was thinking of. I was like, <laughs> how do I work in? Okay, I can't do anything with that. Um, I'll take it. But uh, but but yeah, like that that um, I don't know. And it was it just this. It was just a, a uh, whereas like now, I'm like thinking about you know like like I don't know. It's like it's so stupid. Like or it, I don't know if it's stupid, but it's it's just it's so different yeah and the idea that for sure oh i'm gonna make some shit and then i'm gonna and then i'm gonna tell and in my mind like a big thing is that and then i'm gonna tell the people i went to high school with that i'm making a thing totally and it's like why like why like this is not that's not my audience anyway and i mean i get that i totally get that i mean not that not that, like, I don't. Not mm. that maybe some people who you went to high school with wouldn't care about it. Yeah, or, you know. yeah, 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 yeah. But but I just, I just in the sense that I, all the shit I made in high school, I didn't make for them. I, I didn't, I didn't make things, you know, while I was in college. At any other time in my life, I wasn't like, oh, man, well, I, I just, I, I I can't wait to let the people I know, let the people that are around me, or let the people that grew up in the same town as me, or, you know, I hope they like this. Yeah. And so it's just it's a funny, it's a funny thing to consider, and just how pervasive these these things are, that they're rattling around in your subconscious for your oh totally. creative process even. Yeah, one a thousand percent. Like that's when you see people exercising their creative muscles these days, that's primarily where you see it done. Yeah. And so the, all that gets taken into account. Right. Um, by those people you watch and then by yourself when you're thinking about doing it, I think. Uh, but also I feel like that particular um, aspect of it is a very Facebook centric mm-hmm. thing because that's, that's what most people 
that's what most people's Facebook audiences end up looking like. Right. Like, and then over time, you get people from like you worked with or or whatever yeah. college friends or you know anything like that. Right. Right. But like, if you have, in my experience anyway, not that I have a Twitter following or account that I use because I don't. I have one that I use, but to read, not to right. post anything. But I see people with a couple hundred Twitter followers, and it's like they don't seem to know any of them. It's that sort of thing, you know? Right. So it, that's a very different environment. And yeah. so is maybe Instagram's closer to Facebook because it's kind of rolled into the same thing. It's a lot easier on Instagram to sort of form. I, 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 have, I haven't been active on it really in like two years. But um, when I was, it was a lot easier on Instagram to sort of make friends and form relationships with people. Mm way outside of your sure um immediate friend group because someone might be following the hashtag jimbe or something <laughs> and they see see that you did a cool gig and they're like hey man dude that's super rad or, or you know or they like make a comment or about something you know what i mean and right and then you y'all you know you know you end up sort of going back and forth on stuff and right that that happened a lot more on i mean that that shit doesn't happen at all on facebook or on Twitter. Um, I don't think Twitter's used that way. It's very in, in impersonal in that way. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, Instagram's a very much more personal thing. R right, right, right. But, I mean, you know, Inst Instagram's still owned by Facebook. Exactly, so. yeah. It's the same same thing. Yeah, so they're still doing the same. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even I'm not even talking about the ethics <laughs> of, oh, sure. of using. Just the, uh, like, just the, the planning of it. Because, because I've thought about that same thing. Like, if I was going to post something like that, who would I be addressing, and what would I be hoping to get across, and those sorts of questions right. that have nothing to do with the actual work you're putting out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it, like a thought. A thought that I've had is that you should probably treat every single thing that you post on social media as a commercial. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> some people, some people keep their social media accounts to that exact thing. Yeah, and I mean, and it doesn't have to. I mean, and I'm talking in a subtle sense, like it's a commercial. I'm, uh, um, like understand that that's really kind of what those mediums are. I mean, but they're not necessarily commercials for products, even though that if you can find a way to to for your content to pivot towards products, then that makes your content a lot easier to boost. Um, you know, on YouTube and whatnot. Um, like, um, if it, if it's something that links somewhere else, right? You know, if it's going to keep them on the platform, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, but, um, oh, yeah. But sometimes it's not just a commercial for, say, a product. It's commercial for an idea, you know? But it, it, it but if you thought of it, the same way that you thought of an of an ad break. If you thought of posts that come across your feed the same way as you thought of an ad break on on cable television, you know, um, in between whatever movie you actually wanted to watch, it'd probably be a lot healthier. You know, it probably like it probably like lets you understand those things better for what they are. Um, because some of it's like, oh, cool. Oh, that looks like a cool movie. I'd like to see that movie. That's a cool preview. Or that looks like a neat piece of music. Or that looks like a neat this or a neat that or whatever. But yeah. some of it's garbage. But you're not. Um, but I don't think that I don't think that we think of it that way. It's all incentivized and designed so that we don't we don't we don't look at those things as little pieces of 
you know, ad space. It's all, it's all about how, mm, like some people are much more savvy about, about, uh, how they work that system Mm -hmm. and can exist, uh, sort of at the same time doing both Mm -hmm. and like having a personal social media account, but also here's a post that's very clearly like, here's something that I did or here's advertisement for an idea you know that's right of right or in or a lifestyle or <clears throat> yeah um an ethic or you know a piece of morality or or something yeah you know and i and i am not i'm not trying to say that um i'm only speaking about the medium of social media right like i'm not trying to say that if someone is is talking about their idea, I'm not trying to devalue the ideas yeah, yeah. being spoken about. Mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, like, but there's a fine line between in, in the social media landscape of, you know, like, am I just watching, like, is this just a bunch of, this is just advertisements for a bunch of different things on public access right now. <laughs> I mean, kind of, like, that's kind of what, YouTube is, yeah, basically, yeah. It, it took the place of public access, you know, for as few people as ever was able to take advantage of that platform, right? Uh, the the very select few weird ones that did get through, uh, some of them are on YouTube at this point, I guess. Right. I remember coming across some random public access YouTube uh, interview clip of Bill Hicks from like nineteen, right? You know, just. Just like a, it was just a. Hey, we're here on Zuba Dubba Dub TV where we talk about Zuba Dubba Dididas. Yes. And and Bill's there like, I got cancer. I'm not telling anybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I'd love to talk to you right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, but then he, got, I mean, but then it was really cool. He said some like crazy, some like really cool, insightful stuff about that. Um. Like that, the that the role of art is to is to alter your experience of time so that you can understand your true nature, which is timeless and spaceless. And it was like, that's really cool. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm a I'm I'm a little more I'm a little more. Now that I said that was something I said similar to that. Now that I yeah. when I hear things like that, I'm a little more like that's word salad, Bill. <laughs> um, that doesn't mean anything, but I sense your good intentions with that thing because there's just a lot of, a lot of grifters, um, use that kind of language, use that kind of cosmic mindedness, that cosmic brain sure. kind of all unity, you know, purpose, time, you know, timeless intention, love in power, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Buy buy my supplements, blah blah blah, <laughs> da da da, you know. Right. I mean, I don't even disagree with the statement necessarily. Like, I don't just, either. You don't like. Some people just only know how to get those sorts of thoughts across using grandiose terms like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, yeah, I, I don't. So, like, I, if you say like, you sort of divine his intention there, then maybe it's not a big deal. Right, right, right. I, yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, but. 
I raise my eyebrows when I hear things like that. Just and that that's the yeah. thing that has just bothered that has just really broken my heart <laughs> the past two years of the Pando is that um I really, really um is is having to really separate myself from all of the the health and wellness and new age stuff. Mm-hmm. Um because of how toxic those communities have been in response specifically to, to the pandemic right of of like wow y'all really don't care about the things that you say you cared about or or the things that i was picking up on right like all the all the compassion and love and all that's like y'all re- that's really not it mm-hmm. like y'all really care about um you know individual individual power and 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 someone telling you that that whatever you're wh- how to say it is I, I feel like those communities are, can be really really good medicine if you grew up with if you grew up with your with like a typical like 50s dad of like when are, when are you going to go get a real job and become a real man Arr! you know and if it's like well that's not the best fit for me. I'm I'm supposed to do something that's a little, you know, a little more find my own path. Uh-huh. Then all that stuff can be a good medicine to that environment. Um that's like directly where the the free love hippie that's, movement yeah, came that's, out of, right? Like, yeah, you just look up look up the story of Ramdas, i.e. Richard Albrecht. You know, he was a you know, he was a professor at um at Harvard. Did a bunch of acid with Timothy Leary. Mm. Fucking went to India and became Ramdas. Ah, um, he's like the archetype for all those things, and I love that dude. I love his books. I love his his um, his talks and and all that sort of stuff. And so it's been kind of I've, I feel like there's now a it's hard for me. It's something I got to get over that. I can find my own meaning in this and this can still be of value to me, even though all the other people I know who value this um, really don't share my values on other things. Right. You know, because like they only care about they they have no. As far as I can tell, they don't have a good system for assimilating experiences outside of their own. And that's the real problem is that um, like you can lean on individual power and individual motivation and empowerment and all that sort of stuff as long as, because yeah, man, like you're the one who has to get your ass out of bed in the morning. You're the one who has to keep deciding to keep doing the hard things that are going to pay off for you. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But if along with that, you also take this extra step in that direction and you say that, well, anything that I don't directly experience isn't real. Okay. Yeah. And isn't valid. Like how, how do you, how do you learn about things that, that are affecting you that are beyond your experience? And that, that community doesn't good do a doesn't have a, a good way of doing that. Yeah. That's a problem. And so that seems like a problem to me, you know, it's very, you know, because it's, it's, uh, they're very much into, I guess what you would call like ableism, like it, uh, 
it's like a term that sort of means like you're you're preferencing people who are able able bodied. Right, because yeah, I've I know that term in regards to like discrimination against yeah disabled people. Right, 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 right. So so like on the front end, when people were getting sick, it was like, well, those people had other things wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, like this idea that it's like, oh well, if you're a little overweight, then I mean, you deserve to die if you get COVID, um, or if you. Or if you have some heart condition, well, you clearly didn't eat right or do enough exercise. So, you know, it's your fault if you die. Like that, that, that was like their whole take. Your problem is that you're not doing enough exercise. Your problem is your your comorbidities and not COVID itself. Right, 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 Hmm. right. Yeah, like it's – and so that was their way of handling all those things, which is terrible. Because the whole thing is so so based on like – it's it's a uh, you know based on like not it's very um anti establishment anti um but it's interesting because it's not it's not anti authority it just wants an inverted authority but it does it in a very examined way it's like oh no 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 doctors aren't the real people who know it's actually the it's actually the mystic it's the it's Mm -hmm. the it's the poor person it's the it's the this it's the that it's it's not the it's it's like a deep skepticism of like institutionalized knowledge right yeah okay and so but they don't really want but the problem is they they don't they don't like take the next step and be like oh we'll see hierarchy is the problem like no, they just want to flip it and just say like, oh, okay, well, no, I actually know more than doctors because I'm not a doctor and I my knowledge hasn't been tainted by those institutions. And then they get on this weird purity trip. You know, like they carry their own water around with them and shit like that. Um, oh, you're trying to avoid the fluoride? Um, <laughs> It's Brita, goddammit. They know what's good for me. Um, but yeah, I don't know how you get to that point. Uh, uh, it's like severe. Uh, uh, Dunning Kruger, almost in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't know either. It. It. Um. It just it bums me out because I used to have such a positive association with all those things. That's like this is it's very personally. It's been very irritating for me that like I yeah. can't just go and lean on my Ramdas books and Ramdas lectures the way I used to because I know that there's other asshats who will like like I, I came across an album of his that had like some of his lectures intermixed with like different like music and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And then there's like a song where someone's like rapping about five G. And microwaves. And I'm like, fuck! <laughs> you know, this like, was on something that he compiled and released? or no, that, 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 that He's dead now. Um, oh, okay. But that, okay. That, like, I don't know. What time did he live? I don't know. Uh, I mean, he died recently in the past okay. few years. So. I mean, I guess he was 60, 70s yeah. active. Okay, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. He might have been, a, he might have made it to eight, into his 80s. Gotcha. I mean, the, the 60s or the 70s. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, that's not surprising. What? 
the that you came across that recording. Oh yeah, and yeah, compilation. Man. It and it just it, it it just it's it's like man, like why do these fuckers gotta mess up everything? Like why do they gotta like infiltrate like every fucking good um, thing you know literally I get, anything you see on the news today why do these fuckers gotta mess up everything yeah like like I I'm not <coughs> like I don't how to say it like I would not be entirely opposed to to having an American flag displayed somewhere around my house or or on my car or like you know, but I can't fucking do that because if I talk about being proud about America in any regards, people are like, oh, so you're a racist. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking about this literally like on the way over here for some reason. I forget what even I was listening to NPR or some shit and something came up that that sparked it in my head. But I was like, I. Uh, nothing new or anything, but like for a long time now, I've been like in my mind downplaying all of that that sort of sentiment what do you mean the the sentiment of being proud to be american and yeah. sorts of things like right. this right cuz it, it be, and it's it, not again like you say like it's not because it's an inherently bad thing to be but it's been twisted in such a way that you can't you almost can't take the good without the bad he, Right. It almost becomes like you become the other side of a duality that you didn't choose to be a part of. Yeah. And it's not even that I don't have somewhere inside me have some of those feelings, I guess. But it's I've been pushed so far away for so long, you know, f right. just from terrible shit being – and I guess there's some aspect of like, well, don't let that ruin – the good part of it for you, but it's like, was it really that important to me in the first place? Not, maybe not. Right, right, right. And there's almost like sort of like two, there's like two things I'm hearing there. So one is that, is it's like you can be proud. It should be allowed to be proud of the, you should be allowed to be proud of the good things that your country does and to also be ashamed and critical of the bad things. Yeah. And you should be able you should be able to to hold both of those emotions and oh, both of those thoughts yeah. at the same time. One hundred percent. And also let me be clear, like you should be proud of the things that your the good things that your your country or your state or your locality or whatever does. Mm -hmm. I don't see any reason to be proud of from being there. Of being from there. Yeah, yeah, because you didn't, you didn't, you, you know, didn't do anything. What did you do? What did you do? Yeah, like what? Did, you didn't do anything in Normandy, asshole. Yeah. Like, and, calm down. <laughs> but but that's that's what most people trot out there is like. Proud to be Texan. Proud to be American. Right, right, right. I mean, I, yeah. I walked around with that for a long time, man. I was very proud to be a Texan. Fuck all why, you know? Like, you're... And, um... Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, the weather sucks here. It kind of sucks to live here. That's why I'm proud. <laughs> like, you're proud of the things you endure. I've been through the crucible of yeah. shitty Southeast Texas weather, yeah. Yeah, you don't live in Texas. You endure <laughs> yeah. in Texas. You survive. And, and so, but but... But the, the but the unfortunate thing is that there's no there's no sort of there's no place for that kind of nuanced discourse, and so you get forced into except like this, <laughs> pretty much. Sure, right? And yeah. It, it, that that's my 
I mean, go back to like social media and shit. Like that's my problem with conversing on stuff like that because there's no room for that. Right. There's not. And 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 just to be clear, I'm not I'm not trying to like trot out a, a centrist argument in a Trojan horse. That's not what I'm doing. No, I'm very left. Um, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I will I vote as left as possible. Um, yeah. Just to be very clear about all that. Um, I'm not I'm not saying that like oh well you know both sides. No 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. Um, yeah. But it, it's, but but if you are at all critical of anything that the United States has done, then you get put. You're you're sort of instantly cast on the other side of this coin, which is America. You know, United States of America is the greatest country, best country. Blah 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 blah. All down the line, and. Because those are the people who are saying they're proud to be an American. And if they're saying it, you don't want to say it by association. Because when they say they're proud to be an American, what they're saying, what they're usually saying is the power is fine where it's at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like they don't really mean like, – and, and the, the America that they're proud of, like they're saying like I'm proud of the storybook America I learned about and, you know, that I learned about from Michael Bay movies or whatever. <laughs> yeah. The America that took down the asteroid. That's the – Yeah. That's the one I'm, I'm proud, proud of. I'm proud to be part of that America. Bruce Willis is Ben Affleck's America. Yeah. Like yeah. you're not uh, – Billy Bob Thornton's America. Let's be clear. <laughs> I know who. The, so, so he is the only, the only, um, he is the only educated person in that movie that is not a fuck up. Actor wise or a character wise? Character wise. Character okay. Wise. His character is the only. I think maybe actor wise also. <laughs> Actually, another thing. <laughs> Now that I now that I mentioned that, I don't know, man. He has this weird music career that's real cringy. He's a weird fucking dude. Too. Yeah, he's yeah yeah whatever. Like like Billy Bob, keep being weird. Um, and but he his character, like the head of NASA or whatever, is like the only educated person in that movie that is not a fuck up that doesn't make that doesn't either go crazy, um, or make terrible decisions. And the way that that's balanced out in the schema of things is that he's also crippled. Is he really? Is he in a wheelchair or something? He I haven't seen he, that in a long time. Yeah, he has like a limp. Like, oh, okay. And shit like that. Okay. And he has like some story about if I could have wish I would have bought, you know, some uh, shit like that. Okay. But yeah, dude. Damn. Okay. The, I have a lot to say about that that fucking movie. All man. right. <laughs> we, maybe we, we should talk about the movie sometime. Then. We we should. We okay. should. Especially in relation to uh, uh, Don't Look Up the other, the other day. Yeah. And it, it is startling to watch that movie and then watch like Deep Impact. And because they came out like within a year. It was one other. of those volcano uh, Dante's Inferno situations. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And they just could not be more different. Huh. Kinds of movies on so many levels. So yeah, definitely worth unpacking those at some point yeah okay uh but yeah anyway yeah Oorah, i forget America. what okay yeah that's where we're at Oorah. but uh yeah i'm not really sh- quite sure how i got there but uh <laughs> i was talking about public access and cosmic mindedness and yeah uh some shit like that what w- yeah what do you say about the art you're putting out yeah yeah so who, who are you saying it to but anyway 
Do you have anything else you want to throw out there to riff on? Uh, I don't know. I might have had something, but I don't know. Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> that was that was my quota for the day. That was your quota. I dig it. Talk about how how I don't like America anymore. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> here, here we are. Yeah, I, I I try not to just be like a fucking gloomy Gus about that shit, but it's I I, I, I mean just, I, I guess that's I guess I was gonna say that earlier when you were when we were talking about how when you try to put your opinion out there like that and it's immediately taken by the other side of the of that coin mm-hmm. you described, uh, not the other side, but you know, in so many words, uh. The, that's the problem. That's one of the big problems with uh, with putting that out there at all because those are the types of people who are out there in these environments talking about this stuff right. so much. And that's that's a, a huge reason why there isn't so much room for a lot of nuanced conversation in those spaces. Right. And, well, and it kind of goes back to just, you know, like anger and outrage is going to keep you keep you from changing the channel. Yeah, it's the outrage machine yeah you know so to speak so yeah it really is and so you know you're just more likely to stay tuned to something that's upsetting you and you're more likely to engage with with things that make you angry than you are with things that make you happy and so and you know and, and i guess like that's the real terrible thing about all this is that you know it's it's by putting those metrics first, you know, the, the, the companies have like monetized the erosion of the social cohesion of our society. Yeah, because that, that in and of itself, that, in, that uh, phenomenon is nothing new. Mm-hmm. It's kind of always been that way. Like I was reading some early like turn of last century uh, newspaper article, mm-hmm. like, not articles, but like quotes and headlines and stuff. Right. And it was just like complete opinion and just absolute speculation yeah just on on pages of news like you know regular ass newspapers right and that has like you said now the problem is that it's been like monetized and and uh focus tested down and right right it's, it's a laser point as to what works yeah and th- there's an interesting thing about that too is that um we got kind of spoiled because if I I might I might screw up the details of this. I, I think I read this in a book by Ryan Holiday called Trust Me, I'm Lying to You. Like Confessions of a Media Hitman okay. or some shit like that or whatever. Okay. Um, good book. Uh I think that was the book. It might have been a different one of his, but it was Ryan Holiday. And uh but he was talking about the history of that and sort of that there was a thing that happened where you had like, I think it was like the Associated Press formed or something, and they would report things in a very like very unbiased way so that other things could then pick them up and right. do what they do as they wanted. Right. And that, you know, our generation, our parents' generation specifically got kind of spoiled with Walter Cron- Cronkite and, and, you know, and that, and, the news that wasn't it became like authoritative in a way that you just took for granted yeah yeah it wasn't terribly biased and and whatnot it wasn't uh it wasn't a lot it wasn't like opinion pieces it wasn't editorialized to death yeah and And there's probably some aspect of like you know who's actually watching walter cronkite give the news and maybe there's some implicit you know biases there 
I'm sure there's some of that in there too. Sure, but, sure. But for what was available and for what had come before, right? It was very much that. Right, right, right. And I mean, and I remember, and then, and then you know, and then you know, then you had cable news come about and and whatnot, and then things started to really, you know, things started to change and whatnot, and yeah, but. And then the internet news came along, and then and you had things like, um, what's the like tr- truth checking? Is it Snopes? Is Snopes? Yeah, Snopes would do that. And then, I mean that that was a thing for a while, but it wasn't anything authoritative. Like it was something that people sort of knew about, but there was no. But it's extra steps. Yeah, it's extra steps, know. and it was like you had to know about it. Right, right, right. And then also there was like a hierarchy of sort of um, like you knew that if you were seeing something on 60 Minutes or with Barbara Walters or or on, you know, ABC 13 or, or whatever, that it was a different level of legit. Yeah. And then if you were hearing it on AM talk radio, you're like, yeah, that's other shit. Or if you saw it or if you saw someone ranting about it on TBN on you know while you were flipping around trinity broadcasting network yeah. uh, you know like you're like yeah that's that's not the that's that's different yeah and but then in how facebook presents things it doesn't matter where that article is from it doesn't matter if it's from the new york times or if it's from breitbart or wherever it all you know it all presents the same and so people that grew up not having to have that information radar to determine the quality of information, you know, they're susceptible to that. Yeah. And something that I didn't know about, I didn't know anything about for a long time until I guess relatively recently, maybe like the past decade or so, I guess Mm -hmm. me being almost 40 now. So like, you know, relatively recently for my, for my lifetime is like how reporting works Mm. as if you're a reporter, how does that work like how do you get your information how do you deal with sources how do you deal with uh what you say when do you decide to say it yeah all these different aspects of it and like there's a certain uh integrity that's sort of meant to be built into that that i think a lot of people assume is built into that Mm. uh and it should be but it maybe always isn't and Mm. uh, that's another one of those things that i think people took for granted around the time of like I guess our parents or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And we just sort of didn't realize it was a thing that needed to be taken into account. It's like, oh, someone's talking. They must have. They must deserve to talk. There must be a. Re- you know, why would someone tell me something that's not true? Right. Um, right. I mean, there's as yeah, there's aspects of how Facebook presents that stuff to you. There's aspects of like it's really fucking easy to make like a pretty professional looking website these days and just yeah. throw whatever the fuck you want on it. Exactly. Yeah. For sure. Uh, for sure. And then you've got your official Twitter account with a blue check mark on it, or you've got your verified YouTube bit, you know, whatever it is. Right, 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 uh, right, right, right. And it, the, the line is blurred so much now that it's yeah. impossible for anyone who didn't grow up without that to differentiate as easily. Right. Or, or I, I think anyway. I mean, even if you did just sort of not, not growing up or not being taught that there's questions you need to ask yourself whenever you – are reading an article or watching a video about something, yeah. which is who wrote this? Why did they write this? What is the purpose of them writing this? What is their motivation? Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, is it, are they trying to inform me about something? Are they trying to persuade me about something? 
you know, da, 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 da. And you should ask yourself that about every piece of information that you consume. Yeah. Yeah. You should consider that. Yeah. Like, is this thing editorializing at me or is it presenting things as fact, but not sourcing anything? Is it, you know? Right, right, right. Like, oh, I I think this is trying to make me mad. You know, oh, I think this is trying to make me scared, you know, yeah. whatever. And I'm not I'm not saying that there's never a reason to be mad or scared. Yeah, right. Um, but you should still be able to r- recognize that. Critical thinking. Yeah. Which is apparently very hard to do. Interesting uh, side note that I heard concerning critical thinking that I heard someone talk about something I never would have thought of. Um, a friend of mine who is a uh, Methodist, he's a pastor for a Methodist church. Mm-hmm. And he um, he was in New York City for a while. I don't know. He might have went to seminary up there. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, but he said that he's like, everywhere I go, I tend to end up in some type of food ministry. I, I end up, uh, like he ends up cooking food for people in need. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, he's, he preaches sermons yeah, was to like, the food. How do I how do I square the circle here? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um and and he said he's like, yeah, and you would he's like, I was very surprised at the difference in the level of conversation that I can have with a homeless person in New York versus a homeless person here. Here in Houston. Um or Texas. Texas. Texas okay. in general. He grew up here. Gotcha. Um, because the the school system there is better. And they have they 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 teach critical thinking skills better. It was was his his read on it. So. Yeah, was his yeah. read on it, you know, because he's like, I can discuss like really complex issues and things like that with with homeless people, you know, things that I can't discuss with, you know, other people in this neighborhood. <laughs> You know, are people who, you know what I mean? And it, and it was just kind of, it was just, it was an interesting perspective. He's he's probably he's probably one of the smartest dudes I know. <laughs> I guess that's that's the comparison I want to see is is what is the level of of conversation that you have with an average homeless person in New York City versus Bob from the Country Club in King in Kingwood. Right, 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 right. And I mean, and like, there's like, it doesn't necessarily. Oh, someone has a good conversation, therefore they're this, that, this, 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 whatever. Therefore, I'm, you can extrapolate this yeah. entire population is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm not trying to. It's completely anecdotal, but yes, it is. I'm not. I'm not trying. I'm. I'm yeah. trying to report an experience that myself that I myself did not have. I'm not trying to <laughs> right. make a policy here. <laughs> right, um, right. 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 You know, the plural of anecdote is not data. Um, <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to say here. Um, Anecdotum. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, but this dude, this pastor, he's like, he went to Rice um, for his undergrad. He's he's a smart fucking dude. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I thought that was, a, you know, since you mentioned critical thinking. And yeah, like I didn't, we didn't get that in school, I don't think. Um, uh, no, not really. I feel like I mean I feel like there were some English teachers who tried, you know. Um, we had some pretty good teachers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, Here and there. So, but I, 
by and large, it was kind of a wash, though. Is I think I can safely say I I didn't have as strong of feelings about it right after we graduated high school. Mm-hmm. But like looking back over the years, is like it was what a waste of time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing that sadly, yeah, like the thing that I guess bothers me when I look back is. Speaking as someone who greatly benefited from all the emphasis on athletics, because mm. I played football for, you know, seventh seventh grade through high school, and and I and I benefited from all the money that was put into the football program right, and right. and all those things, and and I had I had good experiences. With that, I mean, I, mean, I guess I played in the band and we marched on that football field that a lot of money paid for. So <laughs> yeah, sure, whoop, yeah. whoop. there's that. Um, like I, I mean, I, I have negative things to say about the the culture around football, um, high school football and whatnot. But that's not really where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. What where I'm going is uh, overall, it was a, it was a, all those resources put into it were something that benefited me as a player, right? And the other side of that is that I also as a player, because of all of the time that coaches, for instance, are like the amount of time that those guys have to put in is insane. Coaches? Yeah, coach like mm-hmm. to 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 do their job of coaching a football team. Yeah. That amount, that workload is insane. Because all of the time that I just I was there at practice, okay? ridiculous yeah. okay like if like varsity football i'm there at like 6 30 like i'm there before school starts i'm there an hour an hour and a half before school starts to like lift weights right or something and then i'm there three or four hours after school ends Mo- that's monday tuesday wednesday yeah it's your entire day basically yeah thursday yeah. um we have a short practice um friday is game day. Saturday, I'm there early to 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 run and to lift weights and then watch film. Mm-hmm. You know, every day you're I'm going in early to watch film or lift weights. Right. Sunday's the only day off. Those guys did all that too. They had to do all of that too and more mm-hmm. because you know. And then they don't have Sundays off because they got a fucking they got a game plan for the next fucking game the next fucking week. All that sort of shit, right? right? So, like, that they're supposed to somehow keep a family together while they're doing that and, like, have really good lesson plans and teach really good classes. Yeah, sure. It's not going to fucking happen. So I have a, I had a real shitty uh, economics class. I had a real shitty uh, government class. I had a real sh- – all my history classes were fucking mm-hmm. jokes, mm-hmm. you know? And the thing is is that I at least got a trade-off because I was in the football program and I got to like travel around and do all this cool shit and learn all these cool things about teamwork and character, you know, or whatever. But but you were able to benefit from where those resources were going. Right. And so many other students weren't. So many other students are just deprived of, yeah. you know, like they got like three good his, his, history lectures the whole year because, you know. And that was what was so frustrating is that these guys were good teachers. These guys, like they were, they were smart. They knew what they were doing. It's mm. just they just, they just didn't have the time. 
you know, or the bandwidth to also do that well and be a good coach. Sure. I never really thought about it like that, but that makes uh, sense. Yeah. You know, and it, it sucks um, because, you know, like, so we, you know, you end up doing a lot of multiple choice, you know, a lot of true false, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's not how you should learn. Uh, I mean, that's not the best way to learn about something as, as complicated and nuanced as history is. So, yeah. um, history to me was a scantron with straight C's. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Boom. No, I never did that, but yeah, statistically. Right. Yeah, man. So, yeah. Huh. And so, so yeah, that's just, you know, not a lot of critical thinking, I guess. And then like, and I guess the only place we would have gotten it would have been in English class. And, but it wasn't, you weren't ever, we weren't ever doing it about like current events or no one was like navigating, helping us navigate through how to interact with the world. It was, you know. I mean, there also really wasn't much going on in those times. Like I remember in, I remember very vividly in uh, like second grade or something like that when uh, Desert Storm happened. Mm -hmm. And like we talked about that in class. As like you know, eight year old kids and shit, and I, we talked about the things that happened there, and then, kind of in a way, like not a lot else happened over the next decade, and then as soon as we graduated, fucking nine eleven happened. Well, so there was also I remember in sixth grade talking a lot about like we did projects on like Bosnia and Herzegovina, and, I'm, yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess like I should that. say anything America American centric that. That and, I feel like people probably would bring up. But, right. And the Desert yeah. Storm thing was was brief. Um, yeah. And I, I actually found a book when I was going through stuff from my mom's house that it was like a weapons. It's like this. I bought this at a book fair when I was in second grade. And it was all of these, like a catalog of all the weapons and vehicles used in Desert Storm. Yo. Like, like. This is a U. This is a U. You know, U.S. blah. You know, or B fifty seven two eight, and right. it shoots these kind of things. And da, da, da. like it was like very, you know. And like I remember me and my friends we were like, "This is so fucking cool," you know. And it's like, man, yeah. it's kind of nuts to think about in retrospect how that was just made available to you. Right. Well, you had all those. Uh, you had all those book it stickers from from Pizza Hut. You had to spin those things somewhere, right? <laughs> Did y'all get that? Did y'all do those? I don't think so. Okay. It was like read a book and get a personal pan pizza or some oh, shit like that. Oh, yeah. You got the sticker for it, and then you could spend those at the book fair or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there was some bullshit like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. But the other, But the other thing that our, 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 our – the way our – the weirdest things for us, the biggest event for us was uh, Columbine. Sure, yeah. That was the – that. That was the big sea change for us. I don't remember hearing a lot about that. Like oh, uh, it, it, from school. It I, changed. It changed the culture intensely. It changed. It changed how the school was run almost almost immediately. I wonder why I don't remember that very much. Um, it might just be that. That was ninety eight, right? Um, yes. Yeah. Um, I'm almost certain. I sometimes I it mix it up. Or 99. Yeah. I sometimes mix it up if it was 98 or 99. So that would have been like our last year, the old high school. Exactly. Or first year, the new one. It was, the, it was, it happened during the spring of our last year at the old high school. Okay. And so, huh. 
I don't um, remember a lot about high school to be fair. It was 90, 19, it was 99. 99, okay. And so, so yeah, like we, we, um, all of a sudden things really changed, it felt like, to where, I mean, think about the design of the new high school. The new high school was designed like a prison. I mean, yeah. Like, like you had these long hallways, you know, um, the way that everything was like sort of sectioned and cut off and put together and everything very sterile. Yeah. That's a word. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, very different than the way the old high school was, which had this like really like organic feel to it and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It might be a junior high now. I don't know what it is now. I think it's, gone now? I don't no, know. No, it's it's still there. Okay. But it might who knows. There's some There are like three new schools in I that town yeah, now. I can't I can't <laughs> I don't know. track. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, like that and, and I mean I remember there's a bomb threat. I remember having I remember having to like go outside like half half fucking dressed because right. it was during fourth period while I was taking a shower after fucking lifting weights or some shit and had to you know, I was like right. I'm not walking out there like I'll I'll die in this fucking building. I'm not walking out there without my shirt on. Coach Lonnie. Listen here, Butch. If I walk out there without my shirt on, Lonnie, you're doing it too. Yeah, yeah. To yeah. which he would say, All right, yeah, we'll stay in here. God bless America. <laughs> He's one of my favorite coaches, man. He's oh, man. one of my favorite human beings, man. That guy was great. Um but yeah, yeah, weird, weird. Yeah, it was a weird, it was weird, it was a weird time. But yeah, and that's, then that's a good point. I had completely glossed over that fact. But it was this very much this like clamping down of the threat, like the threat <laughs> to America was its own children. Like that's the threat. Like that's what's going to you know it's it's uh, it's all the kids listening to Marilyn Manson. That's the fucking problem. It's it's that yeah it's that it's it's playing Doom it's it's shit like that that's the shit that I remember really I don't so much remember like the overall threat in increasing in people's eyes. I guess I, I what I mean is that that stands in stark contrast to after September 11th when it's like oh now we have the war on terror and the threat to america is that's what i mean yeah like that the columbine thing didn't it didn't seem nearly as effective in terms of like affecting change mm-hmm. to to me in my memory for some reason whereas like 911 i remember flying before 911 mm. i flew once before 911 it was a fucking a wildly different experience than afterwards yeah i i did not i didn't I, the first time the first time i flew actually was was during this time period, actually, for the when this playlist was, it was in 2003. Okay. So, yeah, and it, it was wild because I had to, like, I was traveling. Um, I, I had made the Allstate Jazz Band in San Antonio, but I had, um, with the Michael Flores Band, I was playing on the more on the news. <laughs> we, we, we were playing, like, on the morning news or something. So I needed to – I. I didn't want to miss that gig, you know, so I like flew back from San Antonio to Houston. You know, someone picked me up from the airport, went and hung out somewhere, I don't know, slept in a car while other people ate IHOP, woke up, went and did the gig. Then someone else dropped me back off at the airport and I flew back to the airport. Damn. And I just missed one one rehe- I missed like one of the rehearsals uh-huh. at Allstate. 
But um, no, nah, man, but I had like my practice pad with me. And like I had to like, and like I had, I had like a drum key and, and shit like that. I had to like, like, yeah, like like my, my little fucking dinky stick bag, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I had to check that. They it, wouldn't let me. Let you carry it on? Yeah, they wouldn't let me carry it on because I had a wrench in it. Um, yeah. And so, and I think I had to put my drum key in it too because I normally have it like on my key ring or some shit. Right. And, and, um, but yeah. And like he, he, the, the, the guy like made me, he was like, well, what is this? I was like, it's like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a musician. I'm a drummer. This is my practice pad. These are my sticks. And he's like, play me something. <laughs> <laughs> you know any Guns N' Roses? Yeah. 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 And so, I'm American to you. and so like, I was like, all right, you know, mm-hmm. and I like do whatever. And he's like, okay. I can see you have skills. <laughs> some, That's enough. You passed. Some some bizarro shit like that. Oh, wow. You know? uh, so, but what was flying pre September 11th like? I mean, we uh, it was a it would have been like 2000, probably 2001, maybe. It was me and my sister flew to Pennsylvania mm-hmm. to, to see my dad and his family up there, and uh, we I think we flied. We flied. We flew. I think U.S. Airways at the time, but it was like just like a waltz up to the gate. Everybody's there. Like my mom and my, maybe my grandpa was there or somebody, mm-hmm. and just like see us off and just hop on the plane there and we're we're gone and we just go. Like check an ID, check a ticket. This is like yeah. <laughs> here's a ticket. This, I'm on this plane. I'm like okay, yeah, <laughs> and we're just chilling on the plane and like not a big deal. Everyone's cool. Like, hey, we're going to go flying in this plane. We're going to fly this airplane up in the sky. That's pretty cool, right? Y'all ever been on a plane before? No. This going to be pretty cool. And just everyone's chill. I just remember being like, not a big deal whatsoever. Yeah. And then every time since then has been just a huge fucking deal. Yeah. Uh, one of the last times I flew, probably like 2017, maybe. Or maybe 2019. One of the last times I flew... I had like an Xbox uh, controller in my bag that I was carrying on and uh, and like my laptop. So you got to take the laptop out of the bag mm. separately and have them scan that first or separately. Uh, and then in the bag, I like left the controller and then the dude like pulled me off to the side at the end. He's like, what, what is this? I was like, well, it's an Xbox. It's a video game controller. And he was like, well, why'd you leave it in your bag? I'm like, what the fuck else am I going to do with it? He was like, "This is pretty suspicious. You just next time you need to take this out, so we can see what it is." Mm. Like, I, I guess, but you have it out, right? You can see what it is. I wasn't anywhere near it. I guess if I could remotely detonate it, that might be a problem. But right, like it's even even still, like it's still very much like it. Then that might just be a case of like catching the wrong, you know, TSA agent on a, on the wrong day, right. sort of thing. But sure. like, yeah. We're 20 years on and, uh, right. Right. Yeah. That was such a huge fucking paradigm shift in, in so many ways. Not yeah. This is, we're just talking about flying here, but in so many different ways. Yeah. That, Uh, that's, that's, um, and be specific, not just for our comfort, uh, but also (laughs) affecting people in extremely real, extremely shitty ways. Right. Right. I, I, um, I remember in October or November, 
going to Dallas to see the Pledge of Allegiance tour, mm-hmm. like Slipknot, System of a Down, Rammstein, and this band called No One. Um. Anyway, um, <laughs> Wait, was I supposed to respond to that? No, 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 <laughs> okay. no. I was just like, <laughs> I, was, I don't know who this is. I was thinking about how funny it was to say like <laughs> Slipknot, System of a Down, Rammstein, and No, no One. One. <laughs> um, I was. I was, gotcha, gotcha. I was, <laughs> I was running through that. I was giving myself a giggle, <laughs> running, <laughs> okay. running through that. I don't know if I missed a cue. Uh, no, I'm supposed to ring a bell because um. <laughs> I don't know who the fuck no one is. <laughs> Unsurprisingly. <laughs> oh man, new metal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah. but yeah, it was really cool because Slipknot. Um, had just put out Iowa and I think while they played like Heretic Anthem um, or before they played it or something like Corey did this whole speech about you know they told us not to do this tour blah 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 da 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 um, and because that was the other weird thing kind of piggybacking on what I was saying earlier about um the threat wasn't external like the threat was in a lot of ways the youth so there was all of these like well you can't play these songs on the radio anymore yes um that was like a weird thing that that happened instantly yep. you know there were all these records that it's just a weird list of songs that yeah yeah like and then there were all these records it was like well you can't promote those anymore we can't play those music videos and all you know yeah anyway but uh But yeah, it really moved me because Corey made this speech. And I mean, dude, you gotta understand, like, Slipknot's like fucking like the no band has as much sort of like upward momentum. No band has ever had that much upward momentum and push. Like, he has, like, they still feel insanely dangerous as a band at this point. Right. And they have an, he has an arena in the palm of his hand. And he talks about how there's been an increase in hate crimes and that shit needs to stop. Mm-hmm. That's what he used his platform for. Is that like, yeah, you punish the people who did this, but you do not need to punish people who are working at a convenience store. You don't need to put like you didn't, that's not, you know, that's not who needs. And it's just, that is so con, that is not what you expect to hear at an arena metal show. Like, yeah. All of that is just going to be, you know, everyone screams, you know, like you're not, you're not. And so that, that, that probably made me like a fan for life. I mean, there were a few moments that made me fans for life of theirs, but that was definitely a big one. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's one of my, that's, that's another thing I think of. Right. When I think of September 11th, I also think of sitting in my car because I had bought, just bought the new Slayer CD, God Hates Us All, which came out that day. That, uh, yep, yep. Well, we'll talk about that when we talk about Slayer, I guess. <laughs> sure. So, well, we're about the hour mark, so we should probably talk about the topics. Right. Slayer for another day. Slayer later. <laughs> Naz Jazz. Now it's time for jazz. Now it's jazz. We're going to do some jazz part two. Part two. So, uh, so yeah, so this list is all the stuff. This is all the stuff is stuff I heard in 2003. Okay. Well, one of them isn't. 
because I screwed up. Oh, I saw you had a little note about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. One. It. it I mean, it fits. It fits the vibe. But it. Um. I. I thought that I had heard that record way sooner than I did. Turns out I'd. It came out in two thousand six. No, two thousand three. So my mistake. Everything else I, I heard in two thousand three. So this is. This is while I'm. Like now I'm in the jazz band, mm-hmm. you know, at Lee College, and now I'm becoming friends with these other guys that are there, and so they're exposing me to stuff, and and I'm and I'm continuing to explore, but now I've kind of, quote unquote, like got the basics out of the way, so now I'm getting into a lot more kind of fusiony things, a lot more experimental things. Avant-garde. Avant-garde, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. So, um, so yeah, that's that's kind of what this list is about. So, a bit more Latin influence here. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right out the gate. Um, so yeah, so so how did how did this one hit you? Um, overall. So I was uh, I was thinking a bit more about. Uh, the last episode, and yeah. I wasn't really pleased with my sort of assessment. I think I still, f- I think I felt, I think I felt what I said, which was more or less like I sort of enjoy the playlist, but it's generally not the sort of music I like to listen to. Mm-hmm. I think I still feel that way, but I wasn't really, I wasn't really satisfied with how I left that at just that because it's not as simple as it's never as simple as that, but. I think I thought about it some more, and especially after listening to this one and listening to some other music, uh, I think it's specifically what doesn't hit me about the stuff on that first playlist is exactly what we were dis- what we were discussing about it, and how it is uh, like variations within a framework. Mm. I think I find it a little boring, mm. and. I don't want to say predictable because that's like the stupidest thing you could say about jazz, I feel like. But the I think it's the the format is what's really getting me there more than anything. And so I found a lot more to enjoy with this playlist. Mm. A lot more to latch on to and, and like keep interested in and around yeah. every corner there was going to be something new. Right, there is a there is sort of a different because I remember feeling that way early on when mm-hmm. I listened to a lot of jazz in the sense that, um, like, man, what if these guys just wrote wrote good song, quote unquote? Like, what if these guys just, like, put all that cool shit they could play, but then, like, made a good fucking song uh, out of it? Like, <laughs> That's not what I think, but I see what um, you're saying. Yeah. I, this this is how I felt yeah, yeah, yeah. in 2000, you know, in the early, like, trying to trying to absorb mm-hmm. this music, right? Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, that was a cool little thing you did. Why don't you make a verse out of that and play it more than once so I can fucking understand it? <laughs> right. But why can't you just do this like Tool does? God. I was listening to Tool today. <laughs> which which Tool were you listening to? Uh, the Grudge, because there was a uh, oh. reaction video on it. Oh, nice. Um, oh, man, good shit. Was it a good reaction video? It's the only reaction channel I watch, and yes, it was a good one. Which one? It's the Charismatic Voice. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think I know which one yeah. that is. Yeah. She's awesome. Um. But um, but yeah. So I think I think I get I think I get like 
so I think I think it's interesting to sort of juxtapose that because I think so much for us growing up being metal musicians um, or progressive metal musicians or whatever is I'll go with that yeah so much about the expression is the song form mm-hmm. and the composition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the performance is about the composition mm-hmm. and everything is, it's not like, Oh man, listen to how, like, listen to how Dave Lombardo interpreted that, that Jeff Hanneman riff. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like that's, that's the part. He wrote that part and he played the part. And, and so there's, there's a lot more emphasis put on the form and, 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 and that became a big part of how we expressed ourselves right. was having interesting song structures. Right. Right. That still had hooks and themes and things that came back around, but having, but it's still, it was, that was a big part of our bag was how do we not just do intro verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Yeah, and I mean, I think we were maybe even a a bit of a weirder example than your average band of that age, maybe at that time, because we, uh, the music that we did write, we were like struggling to catch up with the performance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were writing way above. not, Not only was it not important, it was like, we really just didn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, it was all about and we didn't have we couldn't it was it was before you could really effectively compose on a computer. And so, you know, but yeah, we were really writing before like it's like, oh well, here's where we can play. Well, we're writing here, because that's just where we're writing. Yeah. And hopefully we'll get there. <laughs> Right. But maybe so, yeah, we won't. Here's where we perform. Here's where we write. And here's where we perform what we write, ideally. But actually, it's like down here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or it's like somewhere in between. Yeah, it's like, no, 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 we're, I'll magically be able to do this when it's time to press record. Right. Like, uh-huh. we wrote this pretty quickly, but now live, we're going to play it like twice as fast. There's also that. <laughs> there was also that. Um, um, but also, it it does strike me, now that you said that, that, some of the early music that I got into myself that I wasn't like exposed to, which is something we've talked about before was like, wow, that's a really cool performance. Mm. Like, wow, this Eric Johnson, Eric Johnson's crazy as fuck on guitar, like in clips of Dover here. Mm -hmm. What a crazy performance. It's a great song otherwise, but this Randy Rhodes solo is amazing. Right. Like what a cool thing that he did there to, whatever songs, whatever. Mm -hmm. Although later on, I come back around on that, you know, I remember earlier on, that was what drew me to a lot of different things was like, man, what a cool part or what a cool. And so cool lick. Yeah. And so like moving away from that over time, I don't know that I ever really moved back towards that. I guess that's kind of what jazz, that's what you can move into with jazz. Yeah. It's all. Yeah. And that is, there's, not only that, but yeah, like I would draw, I would draw a line between very broadly here what I'm talking about, and say like the composition and the performance, and and say that the performance is something that you do not intend to do, to, to that you do not intend to repeat. A okay. performance is, you know, right. 
Um, it's like, well, that's what happened that time. And so, and so like, you know, like a lot of the Randy Rhodes solos, like, well, if he played it the same every time, that's a composition. That's not, that, that's just the way I'm yeah. using the language at the moment, you yeah. know? And, you know, jazz is all about performance. Mm. It's not like the, the, the composing. I mean, so much of jazz is like open, like, like, oh, we're going to play that tune. Let's play that, you know, like there's people who still play, play fucking, you know, play fucking footprints or play like shit off shit that was written in the 60s or the 40s or the 30s or whatever, you know, um, because it's like, oh, these are good changes to solo over. It's a good melody. This is, you know, and but then it becomes but then like how how people how everyone has a different way to interpret one of the standards becomes its own art form. Like this, oh, like just one song, you know, how are you going to play in a sentimental mood or whatever becomes its whole, because if you play it with, if you take the same lineup and you play with a different bassist, it's going to be fucking different or a different drummer or a different order or doing a different key or, you, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It becomes its whole thing. So it's, it's all about the performance where can you imagine how stupid, like, it's like, oh, I want to hear how someone else plays master of puppets. <laughs> Fuck no, I don't. Um, I don't no. I don't I don't I don't care. Like, I, I don't even want to hear how Metallica <laughs> plays it now. Well, yeah, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I have that record from twenty from thirty years ago almost. Like it's fine. Yeah, that's a, that's good. I don't I don't need to, I, oh that's cool. You you trotted out Fire Fire with Fire again. Cool. I don't I don't need it. I got I got Ride the Lightning, it's fine. Um Yeah. The, yeah. I mean that there are there are examples of that happening in other forms but yeah that's that makes a lot of sense where it's like that's the sort of focus mm -hmm. the uh the primary goal is to put right. your own spin on it yeah 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 and it and and so then like the magic of jazz sort of becomes this how how the musicians are interacting with each other mm -hmm. and and all that sort of stuff you know it's less about the composition itself right where for us finding our identity was all about the composition right and and i think that was and i th that that was a that was a something i wanted to riff on this is a good good place to sort of bring it up was um <clears throat> excuse me is uh that's what's interesting about while i was listening to all this music is that i was still writing like i was still trying to write music with y'all and all severed. Right. And I was still playing with the Michael Flores band, which is like I was playing percussion in that band. And that's kind of like a modern rock jam band. Like it want like it's trying to be like Dave Matthews, but more like Matchbox 20 Goo Goo Dolls. Um, but like the model of 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 Dave Matthews, like a bit like how Dave Matthews will go off into like Jamie Jazz Fusion stuff. Yeah. Like Michael Flores band would go off into like jammy radiohead weirdness okay kind of that you know like reggie was in the band you mm -hmm. know he was a big at the time he was big into anyway he had like a whole his pedal board was like it was it's, it's, it's like a wing it's like my wingspan <laughs> it's like this fish that he caught it's a space station is what we would call it right okay yeah, yeah, yeah. um but yeah so it, i think that that that's some that's a that's something that's 
kind of an interesting thing to compare to put all this in context is that this is what I'm listening to while we write integrity and humans. Yeah, yeah. And distance. And then a bunch of other songs that, that never got played again. Yeah. Um, right. And whatnot. It's weird to think about. So. <laughs> um, okay. I mean, I don't know that that, it, that to my ear, to whether or not this influence necessarily came out in any of that i'm not i'm not necess- i'm not saying that it did right 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 but it, it's interesting that that's where i was at mm-hmm. you know um i was trying i was trying to put it in there like that was the thought that was the intention behind distance i was like yeah and then we'll get to the middle of the song and we'll just like do something <clears throat> different every time <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah, yeah, I guess we'll so. do jazz in the middle of the song yeah. Turns out we'll just write this part. Yeah, it turns out we're <laughs> just, just plays every time. We're just gonna do this this same thing here. Um, it was a cool idea, though. I, th- I guess the problem is we. I remember doing that a couple times at least, and then maybe we just found one that sounded really cool and we kept it. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. Well, and it's it's hard to stretch out without a basis. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that's true. We didn't. Yeah, I guess we didn't have a basis at the time. I mean, we we had Ricky for a bit. For a um, bit, yeah, yeah. You know. But we didn't really like become all severed in our final form until until he left. So yeah, and then by then it's like even you mean even if you mean Jeremy could have like oh we're just gonna fucking stretch out and jam. It's like well there's no fucking bass here, so we better just play this faster <laughs> so that so that this still sounds good. <laughs> yeah, that really threw a wrench into a lot of things. I, I I didn't think about it in in you know until much later. It was like, oh that's probably why we why we just gravitated towards just balls out all the time because when we tried to like groove, it didn't sound good without bass. So Yeah. We uh we just didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For as heavy as we were or or thought we were being on on guitars, it just didn't work out that way. Yeah, you're not gonna there's no replacement for for that. Nope. So um, but yeah, that was something that that kind of that I thought was interesting to consider with that time period is like, yeah yeah you know and you you can hear there there was a lot there's actually a lot of other like just straight up Latin stuff that I didn't include mm-hmm. like a lot of the Buena Vista Social Club stuff and Ibrahim Ferrer and and stuff but that's it's just it's kind of in a different lane and I I didn't want to make this playlist two hours long. Even though it might have been close to that anyway. Well, if you count that, uh, um, dun, 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 dun. if you count the uh, Naked City album, you didn't uh, listen to the whole thing, did you? No, but I saw you put like the whole thing's like an, an hour long. Right, on right, that right. I, did, only... I found those two tracks. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but it was like technically it's like three hour playlist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want to go there. Yeah. But uh. So all right. So what were some more? Things that kind of like hit you. Um. I mean, yeah, like the 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 main thing that hit me was just like how how varied this one was compared to the first one, especially. But just also overall, uh, there was much. F- there were fewer things on here that I I knew beforehand. Was there anything on here you knew? <laughs> I th- I think I knew. Uh, um. All of the Herbie Hancock isn't on here, is it? Um, yeah, it 
that's down right there. Is this everything that was on the playlist? Yeah. Okay. Maybe it was Essence. I think I knew Essence. Oh, okay. So I don't know how, but somehow or another. And yeah, that might have ended up on like some soundtracks or commercials or something. I could see that. And I feel like there was one more, but I can't remember what it was. It, it wasn't anything that I like knew, knew. It was just like I'd heard this once or twice. I see. Um, so, yeah, the vast majority of this was uh, new to me. Uh, also, I there were things on here that were like, fuck, yeah, this is really awesome. <laughs> uh, cool. Um, is there anywhere you wanted to, to, to sort of, uh, so, mm, yeah. so there were, there were, there were things on here that I was like, fuck yeah, this is really awesome. And then there were a couple of things where I was like, man, this is, so what was, so this is just not good. <laughs> what, what was just not good? Um, bound. Oh, you really, I really didn't like that at all. Ah! This does not. So when I was going back and listening to this, I made a note specifically <laughs> that was like, God damn, this Kwong Vu track yeah. just transports me. Fuck. Uh, I read your comment. I was like, oh, man, I wish I felt anything about this that wasn't, oh, this dude. doesn't belong together. <laughs> dude. dude, so so what, what, what about it hits you the wrong way? It, it sounded like they took parts for each instrument from four or five different songs and just mashed them all together. <laughs> To to no to no avail. Um, like I could almost feel like I, I could see what they were going for, but maybe I don't, and clearly I don't. Uh, oh, but also, I just didn't. That's one of my favorite recordings for all fucking time. Oh, that's oh man. <laughs> that's like, all, that's like all all time. Shit. Well, okay. That 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 song makes me feel things that only that song makes me feel. Fucking a. <laughs> And it's and the thing that makes me feel is it like damn this was <laughs> swinging a miss, Kwong. Like that's not what it makes me feel. Um, but so yeah, was he the leader of? Was he like yeah, the mastermind? He's, a, he's of the this? trumpet player and okay. the, and the vocalist. Okay. On, on that track, yeah. And so yeah, the, vo he, the vocals were definitely something where I was like, because he just really like repeated the, the, the fucking um, what was the song from last time the. The, uh, Love Supreme. Love Supreme. Or Love Supreme situation where he's like saying a thing over and over again. I'm like, just fucking shut up. <laughs> Say something else. Do anything. <laughs> um, you're not getting anything across here. Oh, God. You, you probably are, but I'm not getting it. That's so funny, uh, man. How about so that? That is not, <laughs> that is not the one that I thought you were going to say. Oh, so um, let me hang on. Let me... Um, I, I wasn't too big on Candiria, unfortunately. I didn't think you would be. Yeah. Um, well... I, I was I I, so in, I was like he's either gonna really dig this or he's gonna really not, um, but I feel like it was for much. So this was two thousand one, uh, and it really called to mind a lot of like what rap metal was going through at that time, where it was like let's take this metal riff and put rap in it, and it was just kind of like let's mash these things together, whether or not they feel like they should go together. This is sort of the vibe I got from it. Let's yeah. take these metal riffs and then ha intersperse some little jazzy or or whatever it's, pieces. That's a, that's kind of a shame and because it, it, that's not to say that there was nothing in the metal riffs that didn't reflect what was going on in the jazz or is that sort of thing. But I wasn't getting it, and it just on its face. I only listened to this once, right? So on its face, it was just like okay. The to really get Candiria. 
you you kind of gotta you kind of gotta do multiple listens to that whole album. I can see that because there's not because there are tracks that are just straight up hip hop tracks, just huh. just straight up like here's a beat, here's here's MCs doing their thing, um, and then there's tracks that are just straight up experimental electronica stuff, mm-hmm. and then there's tracks that are just that kind of because the thing is is that those like their approach is very unique um because they're kind of coming from a hardcore they're coming from hardcore in a sense like the new york hardcore scene okay but they're incorporating groove but they're not coming at it the way like they're not coming at it from like a corn direction they're coming at it from like a the drummer is a crazy wacko jazz fusion drummer and we're going to do these weird odd time rhythms. Cause that's the thing is there's odd time yeah. all over this fucking shit, which was not, that was not standard for, um, for new metal. Mm-hmm. And so in a lot of ways, this is almost like a, like it fits more into a Dillinger escape plan, math core kind of thing. Almost. Um, yes, yeah, that's what it reminded um, me a lot of, yeah. But without the sort of same kind of intensity uh, that Dillinger does. And so, but yeah, they're a really, really unique band, and they were really, really important to me at this time because it was, because, and that's really why I wanted to include them and include that track is that it uh-huh. was, it was a fusion. It was like all this together. Yeah. And and it was that, yeah. <laughs> it, it, they did put they did put multiple different things together. <laughs> you fucker! Oh, um, could I? They could have done it maybe a little bit better. I don't know. Which was insp- which was inspirational <laughs> to me. I think they did exactly <laughs> what they fucking meant to yeah, do. Yeah, I'm just fucking with you a little bit. Um, if you want to hear their more stri- the more streamlined version of of what Candiria does, the record they did. I think maybe right or two records after that one called what doesn't kill you. Cause they were in this crazy fucking like bus accident where they like all almost died or some shit. Oh shit. And they did this is basically they inspired. Almost, they inspired future Baroness to, <laughs> to also get in a bus yeah. accident. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the record they did after that was really different and it's a lot more melodic, a lot more song structures. You okay. Know? Because Three three hundred percent density is it is what that album title is. It's, <laughs> it's dense and it's obtuse and it's it's a weird fucking record. Um, but it 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 was the only example I had of there being any kind of cross pollination between metal and heavy and jazz. I guess. Gotcha. And just just knowing whether or not like the whether or not like the synthesis worked and like oh well I want to do this it's like knowing that it could be done just knowing that there were people playing metal and that they listened to jazz <laughs> okay okay that that right there was a uh, was enough to be really inspirational to me cool so so yeah yeah um so th- there were a few things on here that like really stuck out to me as like this is awesome like Fuck yeah, I'm down with this. Um, I guess I'll go in order. The first one was uh, Steve Coleman, and interesting. What, what yeah, how about that shit? Because I was like, he is not gonna like this. <laughs> nice. Yeah, for, like that just really worked. It just I thought that worked really fucking well. 
And after I was done with it, I was like, man, I, I want to go listen to that fucking uh, 10 minute along uh, Black Thought freestyle that he did on the radio that one time. Did you ever hear that? I don't know what you're talking about. The singer from The Roots. Okay. Black Thought. Uh, oh, okay. He was on, said Black Dot. Black Dot. <laughs> Black Thought. Uh, he was on uh, some radio show. I think Funk Master Flex or some shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people just go on and like do freestyles sometimes, apparently. Yeah. I don't listen to much of it, but that's a thing that happens. And a couple of years ago, uh, he was on there and he did like just a 10 minute freestyle that went super viral, like just billions of views. And it's fucking incredible. And I've watched it a few times over the years. And that this made me th- oh, think nice. about that. Because uh, that's cool. kind of what part, parts of this were. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Because this was 95. And that's yeah. what else is interesting. So there's a whole fucking record that's just that. It, it works. And um, it's fucking cool. It was hard for me to find the, like, let me find the right track that encompasses this that isn't like 15 minutes long. <laughs> right. Um, this was like eight or so. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot going on in here for sure. There was one that was like three minutes, and I, I picked that one at first, and I was like, this just, this doesn't capture it. This isn't enough. I got you. Yeah, yeah. And so, but yeah, this one. This is another CD. So a lot of these I got from this one dude named Joe Motter, who was the trumpet player and in the in the jazz band at Baytown at the time. So that's where I got Miles Smiles from. That's where I got um, Steve Coleman in the Way of the Cipher mm-hmm. from, and the Quang Vu. That's mm-hmm. he gave me that, and then he also gave me the Lake Trout. So all these just weird fucking things that I just never there's just no way I ever would have heard these without that without that guy. Just I just I just there's no way I ever I would still not have it wasn't just like, well, he's the guy that that introduced me to Slayer. Like I was going to hear Slayer of it. No. I would <laughs> I would still be if if I didn't know Joe Motter, I'd still be cruising around cruising around like not knowing anything about Steve Coleman or Kwong Vu or Lake Trout or any fucking thing, man. So if you're out there, Joe, th- thank you. Thank you. I've tried to find him a few times. Couldn't. Um, oh, bummer. But yeah, appreciate you, Joe. Hope you're doing well. And, uh, I guess on that note, I, uh, I also will thank him because the Lake Trout shit was fucking rad. Isn't that some shit? Yeah. <laughs> so That was real good. Um, uh, it's real fucking weird. Not the weirdest thing on this list by any stretch, but it, it was, it, again, it just like worked. It felt like it was natural. and it, Right. Right. And, and like that. <clears throat> so the, um, the fourth track on there or the, the second, it's the fourth track on the album, but it's the second one mm-hmm. on there. Um, yeah. Little things in different places. So there's that beat that comes in around the, the 57 second mark. It's the, that's like the guitar riff and then it comes in with a like that that whole fucking thing you know so i used to use that as like a litmus test to like fuck with people because it blew my mind like it was psychedelic the first time i fucking heard that like he was like you know joe's like oh this is really cool so you just listen to some all right man well here we go like I'm never. You're the best musician I've ever met in my life, so I'm just gonna do what you do. <laughs> listen to what you listen to. So I remember it getting to that part. I was like driving my car or some shit, and when that beat came in, it like 
I, I just couldn't, I could not deal with what I was hearing. Um, like pull over and think about this. So I tried to replicate that experience with other people. Uh, and so I remember Reggie being at my mom's house while we were recording 8125. Uh-huh. And I remember like, all right. So I like played that. And I was like, all right, now, now play the beat. Think about the beat in your head. You think you would go with this. You know, and he was yeah. like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. that kind of thing. And then like when it came in, they're like, it like, like his fucking eyes got big and his jaw dropped, you know, man. It's fucking, yeah. It's, I could see that. And so, yeah, that's a special album to me. It, 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 it introduced a lot of elements that I think were really and that's really a theme with this whole with this whole playlist in particular is that this is when a lot of things were planted, a lot of seeds that were planted that were going to be like and influences that were going to show up for like ten years, mm. um, maybe longer. Really, like mm. like this became a lot of what um, would inform the decisions I made with Small Deal. Okay, and and I can see that now. But, you know, at the time, I'm just I'm just trying to, you know, parse out and find things I like and and whatnot. And so yeah. but there's like a strong like jam element in the Lake Trout stuff. And sure. But it also has like this dark thing to it that that was really intriguing for me at the time. Like it wasn't like Grateful Dead or Fish or something. Yeah. Like it has it has a really good like I think I said before, like one of the things that draws me to certain pieces of media is like having a good vibe or good atmosphere. Yeah. And this does have that. Right, right, right. Uh, and that's interesting too, is it's a live record. And so is a Steve Coleman. So yeah. So it said a lot like the first track, the second one you can hear like the audience and shit. The first one you cannot hear anybody but the band. And I was like, this does not sound live. It is. But fucking A if it is. <laughs> it is. All right. Yeah, that's a live record. Uh, that's like sounds are well produced in certain weird ways. Yeah, and no, cool. they, they just really played well. <laughs> um, and good on you, man. And then, um, and same same with the Steve Coleman. Like that's all yeah. live, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I feel like there was like another one on here. Oh, the um, the Singham, the Charles Lloyd, Zachary saying Eric Harlan one. That's live. Like in front of an audience, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, all, all jazz records are kind of live, but <laughs> you know, right? Um, uh, the the other thing that really struck me was just the the Herbie Hancock stuff. But like, that's not really surprising because it's fucking Herbie Hancock. But these were great tracks, like just really fucking good. <sighs> Fuck that out! I'm so upset that that album is not on Spotify. Um, because and I'm I'm very I'm very glad that. Because there is a, a YouTube video of the whole, or there's a thing for the whole album. Yeah. But it's like, it doesn't sound right. There's something fucked up about it. I'm really glad that there were some of some of the more important tracks to me were on were on here. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But it's no, that's that's one of my favorite albums of all time. It's incredibly important, Sweet. incredibly influential on me. It became a um, that became a hinge point to so many things for me. I think. Because, like, it exposed me to. Well, first it was it was because I didn't I I can I respond emotionally now 
to, you know, some of the Miles Davis quintet stuff, like the stuff like the Miles Smiles and and the stuff that he did with the, the stuff with Herbie with Miles and then the stuff that Herbie did afterwards. For some reason, I di- at the time, I didn't listen to like Herbie's funk fusion stuff. Mm. Like I didn't listen to Headhunters, which is one of the coolest fucking records ever made. And I, I, I cannot imagine me not loving that album at that time or, or Thrust. Yeah, um, but that's just another thing about how different the music discovery process was 20 years ago than it is now. Right. Because why did I end up with that Herbie Hancock CD? Because I fucking went to Best Buy and that was what they had. Right, because like how many of these albums have you put in your note? Like, it's just what they had when I went to go buy the thing. Uh-huh. There you go. That's, that's what it is. That's what it was back then. I, I bought that Candiria <sighs> record at fucking Blockbuster Music or whatever in the mall. Yep. And uh, in San Jacinto Mall. I don't know why. <laughs> I can't fucking tell you why I bought it. Um, and so, but so like, so the producer on that record is uh, this guy named Bill Laswell yeah. who did, does a whole bunch of shit. So I've come across him. I knew of him before this. I knew of John Zorn before this as well. Mm. And then Herbie Hancock was in there as well because of uh, Buckethead. Oh, fuck because fuck because they played in Praxis together. I see Bill Laswell. Yeah, uh, and then he's done production for like all those dudes and played bass for him and shit like that. Right. But yeah, Buckethead with his like four hundred and fifty albums or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> uh, so if we're gonna yeah, if you want to bring up avant garde bullshit, we'll get there. I'm way <laughs> into that. Uh, I was not into these John Zorn tracks very much at all. <laughs> I'll take that back. I wasn't into You Will Be Shot very much, but uh, Latin Quarter, I feel like that's another one that where I was like, I have maybe heard this somewhere before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the thing about that album is there's a lot of songs that are referenced. You know, like there's Enrico Marconi stuff. There's, okay. you know, like the Batman theme or there's like the theme from Chinatown that they do. Gotcha. Like, I am probably going to make you listen to that entire record. Like, because that, that... I wouldn't be opposed, d- despite not liking that one track. I wouldn't be opposed. It, because if it's in that same sphere as all these other guys, like, I'll give it a shot. That it's really hard to sort of. Naked City, that John Zorn record, is really difficult to sort of. You can't really summarize it in two tracks. Sure. I, I picked those two because yeah. those two had the. Um. I was like, well, these will go down kind of easy, and these clearly tie, these clearly relate to jazz. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I could have picked some other tracks from that record, and you would not think that they <sighs> belonged on this list. <laughs> belong, yeah, belonged on this list. Belong next to those two tracks. It might even be the next, the very next tracks after those, mm-hmm. like the because these were right in a row. Also exactly. On the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and another... they're completely disparate. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, okay. And that—that's sort of why I wanted to. Like, I was like, all right, I gave you give a little, little piece of this because, okay. And again, I have no fucking idea how I came across this record, how I came across the John Zorn record. I don't know why I bought it. Mm-hmm. Um, no fucking clue. I, I really do not know. I might have just been in a fucking. I don't know why this is what's coming to my head. I might have been in just a fucking record store at Austin. Just because, uh, like, being there playing a show or some shit like that, and just <clears throat> right. liked the cover, or maybe the the clerk was talking about it or some shit. I really don't know. Um, 
but that I feel like that record prepared me for so much musically because it just it just blasted my palate wide the fuck open. I can see that. Yeah. And because there's 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 stuff on that record that's like straight there's straight up grindcore songs. Like that's what they are. Man. Um and this was fucking like 1990. Oh, you don't have it on here. I don't have the date on there. Um it's like 92 or something. Yeah, I, I think I I did look it up and I think that sounds right. Um, I can't remember exactly. John Zorn Naked Sitter. I'm pretty sure it's like 90 or 92. Definitely not 91. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Could it be? It's 1990. Okay, cool. Um Yeah, man, that that album's a fucking experience. Highest possible recommendation as a as a Okay. As like you know, because it's so easy to get stuck in your lane about like this is the music I like and or or to sort of um how to say it um to get stuck in the framework that you're comfortable with of what function music serves. Absolutely. Um, this is, this is stuff I like to listen to while I'm driving. This is stuff I like to listen to while I'm working out. This is stuff I like to listen to while I'm working. This is stuff, you know, I like to listen to to help me process my day or process my emotions or whatever. And it's very easy or this, you know, like whatever it is, it's very easy to sort of get stuck and to think that music can only do that. Sure. And every once in a while, it's nice to be reminded that music can do a lot of things. And this album does a lot of things. Cool. And so, um, but yeah, I think it was my first exposure to what I, what would be considered avant-garde mm-hmm. music. Um, there's some of the early black metal stuff that you can, that, that really brushes up against, or I don't, not necessarily early black metal. That's not what I mean. I mean, some of the black metal stuff I heard early on that definitely like they're channeling that. Um, it kind of it kind of brushes up against avant garde in a sense, but not not like this. Um, and so it it made it to where there was never going to be a situation I was in playing with other people where there was somewhere they were going to go that I was like, oh, well, we can't go there. Gotcha. And so it really prepared me for a lot of playing situations I would find myself in later. That's useful. Yeah. That's cool. So. Um, yeah, those are those are sort of the things that I had that I had like sort of specific details on. What were we talking about before the John Zorn one? Uh, Herbie Hancock, and you were mentioning how Bill Laswell produced. Okay, yeah, 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 and and so I think that this Herbie Hancock record, because it 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 made me so the drummer on Essence is this guy named Kirsch Kali. Um. And he, because of his drumming on this track, is it Essence? I sometimes mix the two up. Um, uh, Cabero. Or Cabero. 
It's not that one. Or that's where you have your note at, at least. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Yeah, it's Essence. Yeah, B okay. yeah Jack yeah Jack Dezenet plays on Be Still because it's all super fucking jazzy and loose. Oh, you're right. Shit. I see that now. Never mind. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so his drumming on Be Still really fucking blew my mind. It's like really tight, just kind of like drum and bass approach. And so I went and I bought, I like, he has a few solo records and I went and bought those. And so then that tapped me into this whole like world music lane, quote unquote world music. Yes. Um, and Yanni, I don't know what you mean. I saw the commercials. <sighs> um, Pure moods. Okay. Instead of saying world music, <laughs> um, I want to use some other fucking word but yeah i don't know uh, i have a it's i i just like watched caught rant came across this random video of like neoliberalism and world music and how it's like this great example of just sort of commodifying other cultures and and, uh, yeah. and using yeah, yeah. it using it as a way to track as like and like it just being about like corporate branding and like unification and this and da 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 da, -da. but it's hmm. it's really just about making money just like everything else um is anyway so that's 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 fresh in my mind but yeah. but i mean but this guy this guy is an artist he's he's making money off of the music he is making it's not like oh we're gonna sample <clears throat> we're gonna use a sample from a tribe and not give them any money for it it's not that sure um it's not uh fuck what is it dude is it paul simon oh uh, did, did, graceland did he it was like the famous example of, uh -huh. of, uh, I guess appropriation. Really, he was. I've never actually listened to that record. That album's like fucking beloved. Yeah, in yeah, a lot yeah. of circles, and I think just since then, or maybe even back then, because it was like 1987 or something like that. I feel like it was earlier. I don't maybe know it, why. maybe it was. I feel like that was early 80s. It was yeah, early mid 80s, something like that. Uh, but I think definitely since then, maybe it's become more of a like talking point about that album. Interesting. Uh, because I think he just straight up went to like somewhere in Africa. Yeah. Basically, and said, "Let's write an album together." Right. And then he came back over here and sold it and made millions. I, I think that's. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's basically what happened. Yeah, I, I, I wanna. At some point, I wanna. I need to do my due diligence and do do my homework because I want to unpack the cultural appropriation stuff. That's such a, um, that's such a weird. Uh, because, Especially in regards to music. Like, well, I get it. I feel like I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not denying that it exists. But I, right. I, I want to know where the lines are and when it applies to specifically to creating. That's what I mean. Like, you know, like, like when is when is when is uh when is an, when is something an influence, and when is it appropriation? You know. Exactly. Exactly. That's and, what I mean. And what determines a... that? Like, you know, does it is it your attitude after the fact? Is it, you know, what I mean? Because it's like. Um, you know, see, I feel like these are some examples that I've heard people talk about. Like, is it, is it that, okay, well maybe a, a pop, pop star X is really influenced by black culture elements, A, B, and C. And so they incorporate those so that they can, so that they can track as being a certain way. So they can track as being more sexy or more adult or more hip or more this or more whatever. Right. And then after they have went through that cycle, 
then they discard those elements. And well, now I want to track as wholesome or I want to track as this. And then they, they throw that to the side, you know? Yeah. And so those are some of the things. That's a very clear cut case, I feel like. Yeah. Those are some of the sort of examples I've heard like put forth and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I think that a lot of those things really stem from like, it's, I don't think that it is. I think it's important to understand that if you were a that if you were a mediocre white rapper at a certain time that it was going to be easier but if what you did worked with a white audience there was going to be there was going to be more since that market was going to be bigger there was going to be more people who were willing to invest money in you was how the the business of it worked right and so but it's it's interesting to me because that doesn't necessarily put fault on the rapper cuz the rapper's just doing his thing just trying to you know trying to trying to express himself you know and he's maybe legitimately influenced by all these things he's not trying to mm-hmm. maybe make a quick buck but people are trying to make a quick buck off of him sure and so there's going to be opportunities for him that don't exist for other people. And, 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 and if you're white, you're able to like, you're able, and I think that's probably an aspect of it too, is that if you're white, you can, you can put on other people. It's allowed for you to just like, it's allowed for like Paul Simon to just fucking like go and I'm going to go like, just do music of other, of other cultures. And, and everyone's like, well, of course, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you be able to do that? But like, yeah. But I mean, think like Little Wayne picks up a guitar and everyone gets fucking mad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he was terrible at it, but there's not reason to be mad at him for it. <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like people should have been way more mad at Ed Kowalczyk when he tried to rap. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oof. At least Little Wayne looked like he was having fun doing it. <laughs> Like Ed, uh, I don't know what Ed was thinking. Um, I, like, Ed, I don't, I, I, I don't, I feel hurt, but I don't, I, I, there's just no way that Little Wayne playing guitar did as much emotional damage as Ed Kowalczyk or rapping. cultural damage. Let's be real here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like you know, <clears throat> I pick you up by your puppy's grove. Um, boy, oh boy. <sighs> Well, and, the, anyway, I, I wish I remembered. I mean, I was like, perhaps, perhaps not born at the time. I forget. I don't know what year that album came out. Graceland came out, but uh, I wish I knew at the time what the uh, general sentiment was towards that album when it came out. Was it like, oh, cool, Paul Simon is going and out? He's doing outreach to these less fortunate. Like, I don't even think it was that. Well, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Well, I like. I, I, I would. I would be curious to know if it was something like, "Oh, this is a good thing that's happening," versus like, "This is problematic in in various ways." I think if I had to speculate, just just because that that album and Paul Simon was very well regarded in musician circles, and right? Whatnot. So, and right. you know, and 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 so I think the perception of it was like, "Yeah, Paul Simon needed some new influences." He, he's just like a natural he, thing that happens. And so he like went and did things and, and, Maybe, yeah. 
and and then it was just that was just kind of it like it was just like um yeah like it 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 wasn't seen as like a good it wasn't seen as a good or a bad thing i think but I, this is like 10 years after the fact i'm just is is would have been the general like the consciousness of it right. that i was aware of not 20 30 years after the fact or maybe even 40 where we're at now yeah. i think it came out in the early 80s so but yeah like that but yeah that that that's something i want to do my due diligence on and unpack to try to understand better and you know and i i guess like a good point is that or maybe like a good way to look at it is is like like vanilla ice was able to make like more money than all of the money that had been made in hip hop '86 <laughs> at that time, or something. You know what I mean? Like if you were like to compare the money that Vanilla Ice made in the first few years of his career compared to like all of the money <laughs> that everyone had made in all of the '80s making hip hop, and 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 why was he able to make that money? It's not because he was so good. You know, it's because he was so marketable. Why was he marketable? Man, why was he marketable? That's a great fucking question, wasn't it? <laughs> that's, that's, um, that's a question for the ages. <laughs> so, and I, and I think like that—that's the important. That—that's the—that's the one of the subtleties I'm I'm able to articulate about the cultural appropriation as it comes to entertainment is that um, there's and that it doesn't go both ways, right? Like, you as a white person can can like. Oh, cool! Like I'm, I can take some fucking tablas and throw them up here, and oh, look at me! I, I just track as being sophisticated and multicultural and open-minded because I dick around on this fucking instrument in front of people. Um, I haven't studied it. I haven't done the, my due diligence. I haven't. I'm not honoring this tradition. I don't have a teacher. I'm just. I just bought these, and I'm gonna fucking dick around on them, and oh, look how cultural I am. Um. But like an Indian dude can't like can't you know like just pick up like I'm trying to think of a really good example, huh. but it's like like if an Indian dude was to like all right well I'm gonna like I'm gonna look at me I fucking play metal guitar now. Or some shit like that. Like, it better fucking be legit, you know? Like, there's no, you know what I mean? Like, there's no way to. This isn't. This, it's hard to make a direct comparison. I guess, like, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to make the point that. Uh, yeah. Oh, if you're if you're white, you're able to just kind of like you can just pick and choose and da da da. And because your audience is primarily other fucking dopey ass white people, no one's gonna care, and everyone's just gonna be like, oh, those are neat sounds, you know. But if you, I mean, I guess the Little Wayne example is great because, but it's like Little yeah. Wayne's like, oh fuck, I like guitar music, man. I like, I like fucking, I like that shit. Let me fuck around on this fucking guitar, man. Why not? And just people who've never heard his music before, people who don't care about him at all, but, but the fact that he would have the gall to pick up the same instrument that Eric Clapton plays, like they just come for him. You know, that's probably like the best example. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's another example that I think of sometimes that's not uh, as 
it wasn't like it's obviously criticized or anything was i think it was like in the mid to late 2000s there was an iraqi uh metal band and there was like a documentary about them. Oh yeah, do you remember yeah, this? Yeah, I do. It was on Netflix or something like that. Yeah, it was, it was the. It was called like Heavy Metal in Baghdad or something. Yeah, something like that. Um, and it, that makes me think of every time I've ever heard about how like Middle Eastern or or Southeast Asian countries or Eastern European countries get like American pop music twenty or thirty years after the fact, mm-hmm. and then they're able to like take influence from that and do weird shit with it. And that's sort, of, that's sort of what that makes me think about is like, I guess they're able to do that, but then no one really, like, I don't remember anyone looking at that band and saying, well, these guys aren't great. They're not the next Metallica or whatever, but there's, I feel like there's little, <laughs> there's little expectation there a lot of the times. But then again, we don't hear that music. Uh, is another aspect of it, right? Like you didn't it doesn't con- make it over here. Yet. You didn't consume that music as like. So when was that? When does that movie? That movie came out in two thousand seven. Like you weren't hearing. You weren't hearing that like next to the new Machine Head, and like okay, this this is fucking good. Like you watched yeah. that movie as like a novelty, right? Because like, you were like, holy shit, there's a band in Iraq. Wow. They have electricity there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was that. That was yes. <laughs> what What is a what Vietnam? Oh, I thought a, I thought I thought it was a war, not a place. Um. And uh, but yeah, like there's a, and I mean, well, and there's a, there's there's different things to be said about the metal community specifically because the metal mm. community. Yeah. True. As far as as far as like racism and things like that goes, like there there's a lot of it in there, but it's but like the metal community is in one way very accepting. Right. If this is a big if capital I, capital F, if you track as being part of that community. Yeah. That that makes sense. That checks out. And so, like, if you know the metal community is very open and accepting, if they're sure that you're part of that community, um, or they're sure that you're that you're like like you can be a black dude at a metal show, and as long as you don't care that you're the black dude at the metal show, and you've got on a shirt. And and whatnot, then people will be cool. Like if if you're dressed like a white dude, like if you're dressed like all the other people at the metal show, and you're a black dude at a metal show, they'll be cool with you. But if you're a black dude dressed how black people dress at a metal show, people are gonna have a problem with you. Mm, yeah. And so I, it's very sort of, it's very sort of assimilationist, in the sense of that like we will allow we will allow you to assimilate to this, but you have to be this. How much of that do you think is a southern thing? That's a I it's hard for me to tell. It's me too, but I've seen other people's situations and experiences in other parts of the country that that tell me that that isn't the case everywhere. And I I can see that being the the way things are. <laughs> it might be that case cuz it's 
with metal because I know that a big part of like metal culture in the eighties, like in the Bay Area, was the whole like you know kill a poser. It was all about, and mm-hmm. there was all the tension between like <laughs> yeah. the hardcore punk scene and the metal scene and the glam scene and and all this sort of shit. And there were all these, so there was a lot about like like it you know it wasn't like like you had to be that like you had to have the white sneakers and the torn up jeans and the fucking vest like you had to show that investment to that subculture and i think those are the roots of modern metal culture yeah so i i don't think that it's i, I think that that's i think that's probably a pretty universal like metal thing mm. um but maybe not I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's probably a thing that like lots of subcultures do, you know. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm just. I'm, metal is the one that that we I think probably are from the most familiar. Right, right, right. So. And the thing about metal too is that uh, when it comes to like, like metal is mostly a thing that white dudes are into, and if you have a and if you like have a hundred white dudes. In a room, any 100 white dudes, I'm being general here, 10 of them, I'm going to be generous, <laughs> 10 of them are going to be like low-key racist. Meaning that if they see some terrible shit, if they see somebody say some racist shit or they see some racist shit happen, they're going to keep their mouth shut. But they're not maybe going to instigate it, Right. And then one of those is going to be like a legit like card carrying fucking supremacist Nazi, um, and that's just how it's like you know like if you have spaces that are dominated by white yep. men like you're just you're gonna have so you have to you have to be able to call that shit out, and, and metal doesn't do a good job of calling that shit out, so um, yeah. or hasn't not from what I remember anyway. Yeah, I mean, I remember I remember screaming at a dude at uh, Tattoo the Earth because he was like seven dust, right? Right. Well, like got through plan, and he just like threw. And I, I was, I was, it was I was like a junior in high school and like in prime football mode. Before I started, this is like in summer. Before I started getting all my like senior injuries, <laughs> so I was like. <laughs> You became a senior citizen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like peak, peak aggro, Richard. Peak fearless. Start bullshit that he shouldn't start, Richard. And so I like just, I like just screamed at this dude. Um, I might have like threatened to smash his head on the rail. Um, and he left. And I, and I, I was like, yeah, because that's what you say to people who say that. I thought that that was how everyone was supposed to act. Um, you know. Maybe not. Uh, turns out wasn't the case. Well, supposed to. Well, it turns out that not everyone felt that way. Yeah. That like, because yeah. I just imagined at the time it was like, well, you know, I'll be the one that says something fine. But then it's like there were probably other people around him that were like, yeah. But yeah. and and that was just anyway. And now they all uh, talk about it. Out in the open. Yeah, it's like they got empowered. Like they, 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 they. Like they had some sort of a role model to look up to. Yeah, like they're like, so. oh, cool, I can be racist in public now. Yeah, that's fine. And people are okay with that. Turns out there are a lot more of us than it, we thought. 
And if someone and if they try to, you know, try to educate anyone, we'll just get laws passed that um, outlaw us feeling discomfort. <laughs> we can't pass a we can't pass a a mask mandate, but we can literally legislate white comfort. But no, we're not. This is not a racist country at all, whatsoever. God, the fucking lady who. Like lady at a school board meeting today. Did you see that shit? Yeah, like threatened to fucking to come like, back like, Monday with all her guns loaded. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a terrorist threat right there. That's what that is. You that, know, I mean, she's lucky she was white, I guess. And I guess like that. That's that's what I want to hear someone say. I want to hear. I want to hear someone, because it's like, well, why is that not? How is that not terrorism? Right. How is she not arrested immediately? Yeah, and 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 and. Because, and it's like, well, the, like the thing that they that they won't be able to say that they mean is that well, white people can't be terrorists, is, you know. It's like no, like terrorism is like violence with a political ideology behind it, or yeah. intention. Like that's that's definition what it is. It's one of the few painfully relevant Family Guy bits to this day is the fucking holding up. The dude stopping Peter in the car, holding up the, oh, the yeah. like paint splotch mm-hmm. thing that half of it is like wider shades and it's like mental is- issues or something. That's like okay, and okay, then the darker okay. shades are terrorist. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, but um, so jazz, <sighs> jazz. Anyway, um, uh, hmm. Oh yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, we were talking about world music. Fuck, what were we talking about? <laughs> Don't remember anymore. <laughs> so that, that's because so, I was talking about that Herbie Hancock record. Yeah, yes, yeah. So right. I got into Kirsch Kali, and then him and Bill Laswell also play in this project called Tabla Beat Science. I was going to ask what the hell that was because that sounded potentially interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's Kirsch Kali on drums and tablas, and then it's another dude playing tablas, and then it's another. So it's Indian fusion music. It's, okay. It's Indian fusion music, like fused with like techno. And shit like that. Okay. And jazz. And like sort of like – it's not like jazz in the sense – it's like jazz aesthetics. You know what I mean? It's not – it's not they're not like – it's not like throwing around a bunch of seventh chords and shit. It's not, you know. But um, but taking like the jazz improvisational approach, I guess. What, whatever. It's not ah. – <laughs> it's not important that it's jazzy. Gotcha. Um, but – it, um, but yeah, and that was some shit I got really fucking into, you know. Um, but yeah, fusion music, you know, Indian Indian fusion music, mm-hmm. and so. But yeah, speaking of that, I, uh, you know, in Indian music, so the the Charles Lloyd, so it's Charles Lloyd, uh, Eric Harland, and Zakir Hussein. And uh, so that album came out in 2006. I thought I'd heard it. I thought it came out in like 2002 or something. You just time traveled and uh, heard it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit earlier. So um, that's, that's again, that that record's really, really important and special to me. Um, And so because I got really, really into Indian music. And so I've seen... Zakir Hussein play a few oh, cool. times, and um, 
that like one time one time was with he he was doing a a, a gig doing a show with uh, Dave Holland who's a jazz bassist and it was this just big fusion thing and it was it's fucking magical I don't know the way to describe it it's fucking magic and then I also saw him do a performance which was more traditional um, doing like more traditional Indian ragas where it's just him playing tablas and someone else playing sitar and again just pure magic um and it's hard to describe, but that <laughs> Indian music is is a thing that I almost intentionally don't study so that it stays so that it it stays magical. Okay, <laughs> to, yeah, in, in a way, sure. Um, not that I am trying to like imply like, oh, I just gotta like read a read a few read a book and then I'll get it. That's not what I mean. But you just don't want to look too deeply into it. To be to be able to enjoy it on that level. Well, because I thought about it once. You know, mm-hmm. like I was looking up tabla teachers and shit like that. And and the thing that I realized this was I don't know like five or six years ago. The thing that I realized was that it's pretty stupid for me to try to, um, like dive in and and master this art form that is of another culture, right? Whenever I haven't done my due diligence on the drum set, like when I haven't tapped into the history of like jazz on the drum set and, and that this is, and like I'm much more closer to that culture and being able to express that, like that's much more closer to being my lineage in a sense Mm -hmm. that I would be able to express it authentically and whatnot, um, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with studying, with yeah. studying whatever you whatever you want to study. That's not that's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But and but I wasn't. That's not what I was considering at the time. Mm-hmm. Like I was considering like putting a lot of effort into it. And it's like that's kind of. I see. It's like that's. I should do this first. Like I, I, I should, you know, it's it's, you know, but. Uh, but yeah, so Zakir Hussein is uh, the son of Alaraka, who was Ravi Shankar's uh, tabla player. Okay. So, and Zakir um, moved to the States in the early 70s and like lived with like Mickey Hart. Mickey Hart is the drummer from the Grateful Dead. Oh, wow. Okay. And shit like that because, okay. you know. And so he's he's been a mainstay in the sort of like an ambassador, if you will, of that style of music to the West and, and whatnot. And he always is doing really cool fusion things with very prominent jazz artists. Um, and Eric Harland, this is what's fascinating to me is that, so if you back up, so they're the McCoy Tyner track on here. Okay. That's the ballad, the search for peace, um, closer to the front, I think. Mm-hmm. So McCoy Tyner was the piano player on Love Supreme. Okay. So I was like, oh, well, fuck, anything anything anybody on this fucking record does, I'm down with. So, um, so I got the record, The Real McCoy, and then I, I picked up other stuff because he was still making records, you know. He was... 
And so I picked up this record of his called Land of Giants, who had Eric Harlan playing drums on it. So then whenever there was this record that came out that said Charles Lloyd, Eric Harlan, I bought that. You know, and so I got to this record Sangam and got to Zakir Hussein via John Coltrane. Gotcha. And so that's how a lot of that shit sort of, you know, a lot of these threads, you know, weave in and out of each other. Mm -hmm. You know, another interesting thing, right? Um, so I put there um, about that McCoy Tyner track that, so there's like a, a, a Sleepy Brown song called I Can't Wait. Okay. Did you pull that up? I didn't know. Um, so it's on like the Barbershop 2 soundtrack or something. Okay. I know who Sleepy Brown is, but yeah, I don't think I've heard that. Um, oh, I didn't notice you put a time signature there for it. What is, what is the time signature? 120. Oh, he's a big boy. Featuring Andre. Or Andre. Catch that. Go again. I can't. Oh, I've heard this. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait. Work my fucking phone. Gotcha. gotcha. So like kinder, tiner, and I'm meaning the real McCoy. Mm -hmm. So like I I don't know if I saw this video. Like I was like I might have randomly been at fucking like John's house or something and it was on, or I might have heard it on the radio mm -hmm. or something. But like you caught that line? I caught that line in my mind fucking exploded. <laughs> And I tried explaining it to people and no one cared. <laughs> and then I think because this wasn't an actual outcast song, I couldn't fucking find it. And I gave up. Oh man. Um, I don't, I don't, I, or I might've heard it on the radio and I might've like, that's why I like didn't know the name of it or something like that, you know? Right. Cause if it, if I was seeing the music video, I would have known, but cause it's like, I would have fucking bought the, if it was like said it was like if it would have said it was on the barbershop two center, I would have bought it in a fucking second. I don't know why that didn't happen. And that was what year? Like two thousand three, you said? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then you would have had to you would have had to have known what that was to go find it. Yeah. Right, right. And and so even if you knew if even if you knew at that point it was outcast to some extent, you would have had to buy all the outcast albums. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. It. Like I wasn't and so um so when did Love Below? Because I remember you getting me hip to Love Below and Speaker Box. Oh four or oh five? I okay. can't remember. I think it was oh four. I think it was oh four. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Because I remember there were there were cats at Lee College that were that were we were talking yeah. about it. And so on uh, on I'll, I like the way you move. Sleepy Brown is on that track. Right, 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 so right. So they went back and forth there. Um, and so because I re I remember you getting me hip to that. Oh shit! September two thousand three. Shit. So yeah, right around well, this right time. There. Yeah. And so, and I think I like, I think I remember listening to that record, like hoping that that, yeah, that album, song, that song, that was, that on song was on there. Fuck. Like, fuck. Um, so, so, but yeah, like that, that's sort of another, um, like interesting through line through all of this 
that I didn't really um, understand until much later was that I was exposed <clears throat> to this to sort of this idea of, of hip hop and, and and jazz being able to co-mingle with each other, which now is fucking common knowledge. Now everyone fucking understands that, you know, um, even even people who don't really listen to hip hop understand like that's not a surprise to people. I, right. think, I think maybe like Kendrick Lamar's album is a great example of that really coming to the surface or is a good example of, you know, because you have like Robert Glasper and Kamasi Washington, like guys who are jazz guys playing on that album. But then also the other direction, too, of hip hop in jazz is now seen as legitimate as well. Interesting. And so... You know, jazz in hip hop was always was always you know because through, like through samples and stuff, I would imagine. Right, 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 right. But but n almost, um, and like it's two different it's two different things depending on which way you're going, right? Because if you're putting jazz in hip hop, it's like there's much less of a rigid structure you've got to adhere to, whereas yeah. the other way around is not so easy to. Well, to think about, and there's just less fucking old heads to deal well, with. That's what I mean. <laughs> or sorry, that I should say that it's less easy to digest for 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 jazz mm -hmm. folks, right? And so for me, being exposed to something early on, like Steve Coleman, and and it being like, yeah, of course I'm gonna have guys come up here and freestyle because that's exactly the same thing as what we're doing. This is all the same. Um, fuck you. Which is very different than the attitude you would run into with some of the old, some of the you know institutional old jazz heads at the time. Which you would you would hear people say things like you would hear people actively shit on rap music and actively shit on hip hop and mm -hmm. say that it's not music. You know, they would yeah. say it's not music because it doesn't have it doesn't have melody or harmony. Yeah, yeah they'd yeah. say like, oh, well, I'll give you that it's rhythmic chanting, but it's not music. Right, right, right. These are these are things that these are things people said. Like these are things teachers said to me. Um, <sighs> and so, it's like so so. While of course you can take and sample jazz to put to use for hip hop song, of course you can do that because jazz is the greatest music that's ever made. And that's not the reason I would, I would think. But uh, and, all right, man, go on. And of course. You know, you should learn how to play jazz because if you learn how to play jazz, then you can play all of those lesser forms of music if you need to make money. Um, to, to fund your jazz artistic uh, ventures. To make real art. Yeah, exactly. When I see, when I see a rock drummer, I, I, it seems like an athletic competition to me. I'd much rather see someone do a painting. You know, like that's the kind of shit that, that like, you know, Does whether those – say that to you? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yes or no. Okay. Uh, neither confirm nor deny. Um, and but that that was kind of like the attitude that you would run into, sort of with some. I I don't know all because fuck, I didn't run into all of it, right? Yeah. But and so for me to be exposed to like one, like the shit Steve Coleman's doing mm -hmm. of like of putting these things on the same footing like your freestyle is just as artistic as my alto solo these are the same thing mm -hmm. um 
And then to hear Andre 3000 referencing these iconic jazz records right. that I know that these old heads revere and look at like their holy texts, you know, that that's sort of, I think, like it. Um, I didn't realize I had been exposed until until really looking back now, you know, that mm. I had sort of like been exposed to the seeds of that idea, that blending of jazz and hip hop, hip hop and jazz, you know, that is so that is so much more understood now. Um, right. So, but yeah, that that, that was a that's an interesting through line that even kind of connects to the Roy Hargrove as well. So, which ones were those? Mm. Did you listen to those? They were, they were, those yes. were those the last ones on this. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, the, the, the drummer from the Steve Coleman record, he plays on some of the other tracks on that, on that record, on that Roy Hargrove record, Gene Lake. He's not on the tracks that I put on here, but he plays on some of the other ones. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, So yeah, so what do you think about those those Roy Hargrove tracks? Uh, but they're they're all right. They're all right. Yeah, I don't hate this. No, no, I didn't hate that at all. I could be all right with that. Uh, yeah. It. I, I'm so <laughs> nothing too much stronger than that, I guess. <laughs> That that record and that vibe is extremely relevant today, um, and I'm not in in. I was I, I bought that record just because it was like, oh, this is a fucking dude who did <laughs> a band of Creasol. I'm fucking get this record, uh-huh. um, but I didn't really. I did. I mean, I listened to it and I liked it. You know, I was like, oh, this is cool. That's what you said here, exactly, uh, <laughs> verbatim. <laughs> I'm glad I'm consistent. But it didn't hit me, you know, it didn't it didn't emotionally resonate with me the same way um, for whatever, for whatever fucking reason. Yeah. And, but what I thought was interesting was going back to it and listening to it and sort of seeing that, oh, well, I was exposed to these ideas of what like a lot of modern funk records sound like. They sound very much like this first track. Um, and, and then even a lot of like jazz records have kind of the feel of, you know, it's not uncommon to have that kind of laid back feel that the second track has a little bit. Um, it definitely has that. Yeah. If you want to hear some real laid back shit, you go listen to D'Angelo's record voodoo. That's sort um, so that's because they start to that's whenever lot like Questlove and and those guys start to really try to mimic the Jay Dilla beats and stuff of okay like where you're putting where you're putting like the snare like way behind the beat or the hi hat a little in front or the bass a little front and shit like that mm-hmm. um, just just go Google Dilla beats I'm not gonna yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm not gonna burden you with a shitty explanation of it right now but just know that. That Jay Dilla, this is what Robert Glasper said about him, is that Jay Dilla was the first producer that musicians tried to imitate. If that okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. 
So, you know, like him on his fucking MPC or whatever, and then drummers and musicians and people are like, oh, I want to play, I want to play drums how that guy programs drums. Gotcha. You know. Gotcha. And so, one of the most famous drummers that that, that got really good at that is known for that. Doing that early on is this guy named Chris Dave, who's actually cousins with Eric Harlan, and they actually both grew up here in Houston. Huh. So. Well. Right on. But um, but yeah, so this is something I thought was funny too. I'm probably going to talk a lot about. Oh, you know, it's hard not to talk about like small deal stuff. Sure. Because this became a lot of the. You know. Yeah. It it it, it a infused lot of what was going a lot on there, it, right? So yeah. So that's that that D'Angelo track, right? So, going back and listening to it, I've realized that like. Um. So there's a, a small deal song called uh, Bing Bong. And so when we were um, doing the pre-pro for the album and whatnot, this this album, this particular take was, because uh, we, we, we recorded the drums and the guitar at like the same time. And so this um, this take was very contested initially um between who between me and michael okay um there was some debate as to well he he was kind of in the middle on it okay um there were some bits like is that feel too far behind is this too slow is this and then he went and he showed it to his people and every last one of them was like that's too slow that's too far behind. No, man, that 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 doesn't feel right. Da 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 da. Uh-huh. And I I his I tried. People. Well, I <laughs> showed his fucking manager. His... <laughs> like he showed his roommates. He showed da 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 da. I mean, I know all I know all of them too. I know what you mean. Um, his crew. Yeah. His and... publicist. <laughs> like he called his lawyer. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, you think should I sue? Is this too slow? And uh, and so. Like I, I tried to be very um I wasn't always and I would usually apologize when I wasn't, but I tried to be very like um because I respected him so much as a songwriter and a creator, like I didn't I didn't I never wanted to steamroll over any any creative idea or thought that he had. And so but whenever but when he but when he was like, Yeah, you know, this is uh, you know, such and such and so and so and so and so and such said it said they said they think it's too slow and you know I think they might be right. I I I drew a line in the fucking sand <laughs> and and sandbag that shit. I was like, no, absolutely, this is exactly what it needs to be, and 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 I I I'm not gonna move on this one. It, it's one of the only times I think that I did that, like when music was concerned. Um, and I think the, the thing like subconsciously that gave me like the confidence to be able to do that is maybe this fucking D'Angelo track is having heard something like something back there in my, like my musical experience was like, no, this, you can do this. This is allowed. Right. This feels good, you know, because and that's the thing about this period, this massive uptake of all these different influences that would 
frustrate me to no end later on when I would work with some other people is, um, you know, they would be in their, they just, <clears throat> they just hadn't listened to as many different kinds of music as I had. And so um, I would, and then I would get limited a lot. It's like, well, you, you know, man, you're just a drummer. Just, just go do drummer stuff, you know? Damn. Oh, dude. Damn. Uh, dude, that would, that would happen a lot. Um, but anyway, but yeah, but I, I thought that that was interesting because I, I feel like there is, there's like a little bit of a connection of like stumbling into that feel and being like, yeah, th this works. This is it. hearing it play back. Yeah, this is it. This is great. You know, not that I was like intentionally trying to like, we got to make it feel like, you know, I'll stay off of the RH factor. Um, but just that when you, and I think that's how, I think that's sort of why if you're a musician coming up or, you know, like you're getting into that, you need to expose yourself to so many things because you might stumble onto something that's working and you, you, maybe you need a reference to something so that you have the confidence to keep pushing to know that that's working. Right. Because you found that and you felt like it did work and you were, you felt okay about staying there. Right, 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 right. There was, I'll stay. No. Because, yeah, because <laughs> the song told you to. Well, and, the, and the, there's also a difference because you got to have, sometimes you really have to trust yourself and lean into that vision because hearing it on a completely finished mastered track that fucking D'Angelo is singing on sure. and he's, and Roy Hargrove is playing on is very different than hearing it like with just drums and guitar, unmixed, unmastered, no layers, no, no sax, no bass, no keys. Right. Um, and, but, you know, uh, but you don't, you don't get that, I don't think, without exposing yourself to a lot of things. Yeah, because, oh, well, I mean, it's not the, it's not the production that Excuse you're, me. that you're using as the reference there, right? It's the, it's the feel. Right, right, more, right, right. More right. than anything else. Right, right. So. And if you haven't spent time listening to music that has that feel, you're not going to know that that feel is, is right or okay or doable or, yeah. you know, it's just going to sound weird and different to you. Well, I mean, for what it's worth, like when you started playing that track, I was like, oh, I remember this part. It's the part that has that feel to it. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> now you explain it. I'm like, well, that you did, you did a good there. So, all right. Right. And, 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 you know, and, and it, it was nice because one of the, one of the people that had, that had said, oh, that's too slow you know, or that's to this or whatever, you know, once we finished it, it, it ended up being their favorite track. Awesome. You know what I mean? Awesome. And, and so, and so some, so the, sometimes the worst thing you can do when you're creating is show other people. <laughs> you gotta be the, the, yeah, the best and worst thing. Cause you want, you want, and you need input, but also you don't need that shit sometimes. You got to be real whenever, before you finish something, man, you need to be very careful about who you show things to. Mm. Um, yeah. And you need to only, you know, like, you, yeah, you need to be very, very careful and very intentional about who you're showing stuff to because yeah. someone might not get what you're going for. And, and sometimes you're really vulnerable. Yeah. And, and that criticism might, might send you off into the weeds you know it might take you a long time to get back well like that's the weird thing about feedback in general right it's like you don't because someone might not know 
well, that's a that's a separate question. Because someone doesn't know where you're coming from, uh, just out of you know necessity, because they didn't make the thing you did. Right. Uh, you can't just listen to what they say because they don't have the full context. So even right. if they think something legitimately, it might not matter because it's not right. what you're going for anyway. Right, right. There's a lot of layers there. They one, they might not, they just might not be your fucking audience. Just because they're your friend doesn't mean they're your fucking audience. Right. Um, so there's that. There's also that you might be asking about certain elements. You might like they might be tracking on different elements than you're wanting yeah. reinforcement on. Exactly. Exactly. Like, you might be wanting input on the mix or something. Right. And they're going to be like, oh, I don't really like the the sound of that of of your of your singer's voice. And it's like, well, that's his fucking voice. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Yeah. You should put you should put bass on this track. Well, we wrote this track without a bass. What? Right. Uh, you know, right. It yeah. doesn't sound very full. Something sounds well. There's no fucking bass. It's just drums and guitar. Yeah. How is it <laughs> supposed to? Uh, no. Like. Yeah. I'm asking you how 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 this composition hits you. You know, I'm not asking you how this recording hits you. You know what yeah. I mean? At that point, you've got to be able to ask somebody who you know will understand what it is that you're asking for, right? Right, right, Ideally. right. Ideally. Right. And like sometimes it's just like, hey, this is what I'm get, trying to get across. Is this getting across? Yeah. Right? Right. Um, right. And I guess that's why back in the day people who – could I guess that's why like producers got paid so much fucking money because <laughs> they could always understand what someone was asking for in those situations. Yeah, yeah, they're like, I know what you're going for. Right, you're there. You're almost there. Not quite there. <laughs> Delete that one. You know. Yeah. Uh, not not everyone can be Rick Rubin. Not everyone can fucking Rick Rubin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like this motherfucker text that motherfucker right now, <laughs> dude. I. <laughs> I don't know if I, I, I just had the thoughts like, man, I wish. I was like, dude, I don't know if I wish. I don't know if I, if I would like the responsibility of being friends with Rick Rubin. Oof. Great power right there. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. I'd, I'd rather be, I don't, I don't, I don't know. No, he's going to ask you to come over and maintain his beard from time to time. You can't, no one wants that. Help me with my protein shakes. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like, but this Roy Har Hargrove record is is really is still really relevant. Um, it's a big influence on like modern jazz and modern uh, like neo soul and mm. and uh, and stuff like that. So um, and I happen just out of just pure stupidity to be able to like the guy like for instance. Um, uh, Cliff, the guy who played sax on the Small Deal record, the guy who played tenor, dude, l legit, that guy's amazing. I've ne I've never met anyone who uh, or played with anyone who told who told stories as well on their instruments as as Cliff Gordon does. Mm. So, but I remember talking to him about his record or or the record that he was working on that he was writing, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, you, I don't, I don't know." You know, kind of, kind of like go like with that vibe, of like you know, the R.H. factor. You know, I was like, like that Roy Hargrove record. He's like, yeah, 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 that's the one. <laughs> and so I, I guess like all, all I'm all I'm trying to say is that because he's young, he's a young guy. Okay. Um, is that 
the RH factor, because the RH factor was like a group that Roy Hargrove was in mm-hmm. um, or started. That vibe that they that that was that they were putting down in the early 2000s is something that that young musicians are still look are still like I, I want to make a record like that. Gotcha. Is is that's what I'm that's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. Okay. Um. So it's something that's still powerfully relevant, and through dumb luck, I happen to be exposed to it. <laughs> Um, because of oh, really because of goddamn Baytown Library. Hey man, um, shout outs. So, uh, let me see. Is there's any other any other sort of loose ends? Um, oh, go ahead. I I found the Max Roach Max Roach track pretty fucking interesting too. I'm really glad you said that and, because. Um, before you got here, I went back and listened to that whole record, and I take back all the bullshit I said about Max in the last episode. Because the last episode, I said some shit about like Max's artistry, like being bigger than his technique, and you can hear him like reaching and shit like right, that. Right, right. That's not true on this fucking record. Okay. Okay. Oh, so maybe um, it was at some point, but not here for sure. Or maybe that dude just—I I don't know, man. But this hard this, to say. This fucking record is so good. Um, and I I remember the feeling. I, I remember why I loved it so much because it it took the elements of jazz and it used it to tell a big long sort of abstract story. Um, so really powerful stuff and 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 actually it's a, a, it's activism and you didn't see that a lot. Um, yeah. So this I mean, is 1960 and this was a protest album per se yeah like explicitly at the time yeah yeah like the the i mean did you see the album cover of it i did not i didn't oh it's them sitting at a diner or i guess i did i just didn't look at it closely yeah so i got it so yeah Oh, okay. You know, like yeah. it's it's a sit-in. Okay. You know. Yeah. Um. Right on. And and then there's also there's also like a lot of African percussion and stuff incorporated in the second half. You know, they have a uh, Alatunje, which is a percussionist from Africa, um, playing on it, and you know his wife Abby Lincoln sings on it, and Coleman Hawkins plays alto on it but yeah man the whole fucking thing is great and worth a fucking listen and it's just it is fucking inspired is how it feels man it's incredible music sweet um but yeah that that was one of the loose ends uh (laughs) um let me see if there was anything else Oh yeah, th- this is kind of interesting too. Is that um, well, it's kind of interesting to me? So I guess it was around 2015 is is when I got hooked up with um, a lot of these musicians in town that were involved in like the ecstatic dance scene and the yoga scene. So I started playing a lot of this improvised improvised music. Meant you know like we would 
do these things where it was like, all right, well, it's going to start here after this meditation. Mm-hmm. And it's got to end here before the DJ starts playing. Um, and you got 45 minutes to do that. <laughs> and that would that's all the direction you got, you know? And so we, you know, like the rehearsals were very, very abstract in the sense of like the, it was almost really just like checking. The rehearsals were kind of just checking in with each other and like, well, where are we all at uh-huh. on this day, on this week? Just like a vibe check. Yeah. Really yeah, yeah, to yeah. see how things are sort of expected to go. Yeah. In a just way. Almost just like a sampling of elements that might be at play when we do the gig. Right. Um, and, and like sometimes there would be like a score that would, but it would be like a story. You know what I mean? Like there's no one, it's not, not charts. It's nothing, you know, not, nothing like that. Uh-huh. And so um, I sort of had always sort of thought of like, oh, I learned how to do that kind of thing with those guys. Like I, I got in that playing situation and then by playing with them, I learned how to do it. It's sort of how I thought about it. But then like after going back and like looking, listening to this shit, it's like, no. <laughs> Um, like this, all this taught me how to do that. Um, like all this prepared me for doing those really long, you know, like jammy being in the moment, let the music go anywhere, wherever it goes. That's okay. Um, you know, incorporating different sounds, different textures, different moods and all that. And, uh, and so I don't know, it kind of like rewrote rewrote sort of my own history about it, I says I guess that I was telling myself. Right. You know. What what is ecstatic dancing? Oh, um it's hard for me to describe because I didn't really participate in the dancing aspect of it. Okay. But um I it's because I picture like praise and worship like uh like let the spirit flow through you sort of dancing. Kinda. But you said that in conjunction with yoga, and that makes me think it's something else. But maybe it is. The, the, those communities are not the same, but there is overlap uh-huh. in okay. those communities. So, but like the ecstatic dance, um, it's sort of like, uh, I don't mean this in an insulting way, um, but like dance without a form or a discipline attached to it. Right. Like just just, just move like your, let your let your emotions take you where they take you. Yeah. Express yourself through the movement of your body. Okay. Okay. That's you know, sort of what I figured. But very very free, very accepting, you know. I had a I had a lot of really, really great times and great experiences. Some of my favorite musical moments were were playing with these guys mm-hmm. and in those in those moments. You know, or in those uh, those settings. You know, yeah. we played at this yoga conference once. We played for like fucking six or seven hours. Wow, it's <laughs> fucking Good crazy, Lord. man. Um, and it's just, it was just such a cool. I'm Not just, stop. Yeah, I mean, there. I mean, there. I think we would like take. I think we would take turns. I was gonna say like shift work at that. Oh, yeah, you, you tag in? Okay. I'm gonna sit, yeah, sit, yeah. Sit I, I, had, I had like my, uh, I had my hand sonic and my looper. <laughs> so that made things easier. Like, <laughs> okay. Boom, go, 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 go. 
I know some of y'all got some really good filtered water in here. <laughs> uh, so, but, uh, but yeah, and I guess that's what's kind of interesting about this and, you know, this whole exercise, right, of looking back on and, and you know, here in 2022, looking back at all these influences and connecting them to the things I've made at this point. Or, yeah. You know, and it's kind of, you know, I just... You know, someone called me through a mutual friend and I just showed up and I brought my drums and we played music and I was like, this is great. This is awesome. Let's keep doing this. You know, I want to I want to keep playing with these guys and keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and this this informed and, and helped you understand how to make that work. Yeah. Like I never really considered like, well, why was I able to like, why was I able to just sit in and do that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, and it's, it's because of this, you know, uh, it, it, a thousand percent is because of, of, of this massive uptake of crazy weird fucking music that I was, that I was doing. And then also, uh, like the Michael Flores band, like we spent a lot of time jamming. We jammed a lot on stage. Right. So, so that idea that wasn't like, oh shit, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to play next. Oh, no. Like, that wasn't a new feeling for me. Right. You know? Because it's one thing also, like, that's a very important aspect. Because it's one thing to, like, know what you're supposed to do. It's another thing to be able to do it. Mm. Like, it takes some amount of practice and, you know, doing. Right. To be able to actually pull that off, too. Right, yeah. Like, I wouldn't have been able to just, like, oh, I listen to a bunch of music. and (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, Just so nobody thought that that was... Yeah, yeah, no, thing. that's not what I'm saying. I studied no. a lot, is what I'm saying, <laughs> and then I got up and did it. Yeah, yeah I, I guess like the thing is, is that I was, I'm, I'm surprised at how, um, that playing with those guys was a very, that's a very unique playing situation, and I was surprised that I was prepared for it as I was. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, well, sort of like you said, it gave you more confidence for one thing and like permission in a weird way. Right. Yeah. It's uh, like, well, if we go in this place where just these instruments are playing or, or if we go in this place where someone's like fucking screaming into the microphone and laying down on the ground, rolling around. Okay. All of that's fine. Right. I've heard all that before. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> right. 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 In various uh you know, different uh, environments. Yeah. If it's just, if it's, if it, if everything breaks down and it's just the drums playing and one and someone else is, 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 uh, you know, like vocalizing or something that's still valid. And that's still, you know what I mean? Like it, it, yeah. it gives you a confidence to sort of like latch on to something and, and, you know, and not, not feel like, Oh, that's happening. Oh, oh, well, now we're doing this. Oh, 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 now we're doing this. Which that can be cool too, but right. you know. I think it takes this it takes the shock out of those those abrupt shifts, yeah, right? Sure. Because it's yeah. not it's like if you had never heard that before, you know, after hearing some stuff like this, you might just say, Wait, are, is this still the song? Like what are we doing now? Yeah. yeah are yeah. are you still playing are we still playing? Like, <laughs> on some level, is it like, you know Right, yeah. Yeah. something as straightforward as that uh, uh, so 
but yeah, this is um I think that I think that's all the stuff that I had. Um I tried to be nice to you and give you the shortest track off of that Miles Davis record. Because <laughs> um, I was like, oh, no, he's not going to like this. But It was fine. Okay, cool. Well, was... you get to hear Tony do more Tony on that. You know, you start to hear more of mm. the developed Tony Williams voice on that, which is cool. Has Herbie Hancock in there? Yeah. He is, yeah. I like how uh, these few, oh, right. you like... You, we're so familiar by now. The second playlist, you can just put their first name. <laughs> Tony, man. Selvin. It's Tony. Yeah, Max, yeah, yeah. you know. The right, boys are right, here. Right. Oh, I remember some bullshit I was going to show you. Right, right, right. Um, so uh, yes. last time we were talking about like big band stuff. And you asked me, you're like, what, what makes a big band chart so hard right. to play? Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a little homework and I printed off a copy of... Sing, 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 sing for tenor right there. So you could see an example of what, um, like what, what, what a horn chart looks like for a big band. Um, so you used to play alto. Yeah. So I, I, I know what I'm seeing here. Uh, I, I get the gist of it yeah, and just, it's, it's, there are some, there's some pretty rough stuff in here from, from time to time. Uh, but nothing insane. But it's there, like like you, there's some there's some pretty tough like uh, some rhythms some 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 tough rhythmic uh, shifts in here for sure. Yeah. Right, right, right. And 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 a lot of it is like counting your fucking measures, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Right. Um. Here's what the fucking drum chart looks like. <sighs> so. <clears throat> Now, do you know what I so what what's right here is medium a, fast swing. So it says so the rhythm it has written here on like the low tom is so okay it has like just this rhythm written out right now that's not what you play okay that's not at all what you play <laughs> okay um what you play is. You do a Gene Krupa vibe, okay? This is like a, this is like the arranger's attempt at like interpreting it, and it's it's worthless. You, I see. You would get fired because if you played what was written here, because the direction as literally written is solo tom toms slash a la Krupa. Yeah, in the style of Krupa. All of these notes right here are totally worthless. I mean, this does say ad lib. It does. So it, it does. It does. It does. It does. It stinks. All, all this really needs to say here is it just needs to say that and just like just tell me the number of measures, right? Right. I would have, yeah. And so you'll also notice that so, but a big part of what I have to do as a drummer, you see these these lines I drew here. Uh-huh. Um, I'm marking off groups of four measures because there's an odd number of measures I see that. here. Yes. And so I need to cue the band. So that they don't have, so they don't fuck up their counting. Right. So you know, one, two. Right. And then you get into here, 
and it just says swing. Uh-huh. So all it gives you is like ding, ding, a ding, ding, a ding, ding, a ding, right? But that's not what you're doing. You're, you know, you're, you're. You know, and so. So you really just need to just know that. Yeah. There's so much that you are having to interpret and infer. And here's where just shit gets hairy. Um, you get to sections like this. Um, so these rhythms here above the line, um, these are ensemble figures. So the band is playing that rhythm. Okay. You know, ba, 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 ba. Right? Now, I, as the drummer, not only have to play that, I so, so part of the art is me choosing what I'm going to play, what of those notes I'm going to play, and what am I going to leave out. Right, so this is for reference so that you know what's going on so that you can counter it or or accent it or... Right, and a big yeah. part of big band drumming is that I have to set this up. So what okay. that means is that I have to, like, quote-unquote, kick the band so okay. what that means, so like if I, I need to do a fill, like if, the, if there's like a big hit here that's like on the and of four, mm -hmm. I need to do a fill that lands on the downbeat of four. Right. So, ah, uh, ah. Uh, right. You've got to like cock the gun so that they can fire it. That's a great, that's a great way to say it. Interesting. And so even though what's written here. What's written here would just be literally, uh, so that that would be, you know, like, that's all, right? Yeah. But that's not what you play. Like, you know, like, you're like, ding, ding, and you're like, bah, bah, uh, 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 you know what I mean? Like, bah, bah, uh, uh, you know, like you gotta, so you're reading this and you're interpreting it. Right, okay. And so being able to sort of see this, see these rhythms, all these weird turning rhythms and, and be able to sort of like, okay, well that's, that's a long note on the and of two. So I need to do a short, I need to do a kick on the, on two and then, you know, you know, all that shit. So it's a lot. Man. <laughs> and, and then you gotta, and then the big part of it is you gotta count. You gotta always know where you are because you're the one who's gotta sort of you're like, keeping the time. <laughs> you're cueing everyone. Oh so, yeah, all the you know what I mean. Whereas like the, you know, these guys just gotta know where they are and play what's on the page. Right, you're just playing your part. I mean, you've got your accents. You've got your, you know, yeah. You, really, accents are are kind of the main, apart from keeping time, sort of the main uh, issue here. Right. And these guys got a solo too, you know what I mean? Like they're, yeah. they're, they're solos, but it's, you know, it's just, it's such a different, you know. I mean, what you're doing here does not necessarily affect what you are doing there. Mm -hmm. Nearly as much. I mean, I'm sure it does somewhat because you have to accommodate it right. obviously a bit, but the, the inverse is way more. Of, a, of an issue. <laughs> right, 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 right. And there were things that, you know, like last summer when I, when I was doing this this big band gig is is reminding myself, because there's a tendency that you want, like, oh, man, I don't want to, I don't want to miss any of these notes. I don't want to miss any of these hits, these ensemble. I have to hit them all. It's like, no, nah, you don't, actually. Um, you know, you have a lot more freedom in how you choose to articulate these and framework these things than you, than you might think. And... Mm -hmm. 
And your most imp- the most important thing for you to do is to keep good time and keep good feel. Right. And that that's it. Right. If, if you, you know, all of this stuff needs to happen inside of good time. Yeah. And, and good feel. And so, um, but yeah, I figured that would, <laughs> that, that that's would explain wild. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shit. Which is really different than, uh, you know, have, have some old charts, some song charts for doing church gigs, which look like that. Here are the chords. <laughs> yeah. Here are the chords. Listen, <laughs> listen to the recording. <laughs> yeah. Um, and shit like that. So that's bananas. I never realized that there was so much, uh, I mean, it makes sense, I guess, when you, when you lay out the role, you know? Yeah. Cause drums are such a fucking weird instrument and, and that like, it doesn't really like if I go ding, ding, a ding, you know, or I go ding, da, ding, da, ding, it doesn't really change anything. Like it does, you know what I mean? It's, it changes things on like an abstract feel level, but it doesn't. Right. Like it's not a wrong note. Yes. And and yeah. that's the thing with drums. There's not really wrong notes. And yep. the way that my drum instructor said it to me, and this isn't necessarily just with big band. This is with all all drumming, right? Yeah, this sounds pretty uh, endemic to how you have to approach the drums and, in a group setting. <laughs> and and what he said was that he's like the thing about playing drums well, or or a thing about good drums or whatever the setup was doesn't matter. He said is that no one knows how to do what you do but they know when you're not doing it. Yeah, okay, yeah. And and that that really that really helped me understand a lot of the sort of the personal dynamics <laughs> that go into being a drummer in a band because maybe you're in a praise and worship setting and maybe you're playing with someone who hasn't played with drummers a lot and they just know the music doesn't feel right. Yeah. But they don't know how to say they, – they're not like, well, you're playing the bass drum too hard or the snare is too loud. Or can you go to the hi-hat in the verses instead of the ride? Um, I think that – I think that you're – I think you went to the ride early or I think that you're – I think you're swinging this a little. Right. Um, they or, just know that the feel is off. Yeah, they're just, they're just like, ah, this isn't feeling how I like it to feel. Yeah. That's all they that's all they know. Yeah. And, and you have to and that that's so, so much of being a good drummer. And 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 everything I'm saying about about being a drummer here this also applies to being a being it, it applies to the whole rhythm section. Sure. Um yeah. cuz it's similar for what a like a like a guitar just has the chords, you know. And so it's just, you know, for big band stuff it's just, you know, you're just you know, just chopping wood back there, but you got to hit all those chords, you know, you can do it in yeah. different ways. Um, but a big part of, of being, you know, a, a rhythm, an accompanying musician is, is interpreting, you know, interpreting what the leader wants or needs or what the music needs and, and, and stuff like that. And some, yeah. sometimes you need to ask permission for things or sometimes you just need to do it. <laughs> That's um, forgiveness. And, you know, you just need to, you know, you just need to like take ownership of it and be like, well, I was the guy that was hired for this. So I'm going to solve this. I'm going to use all of my expertise to solve this problem the best that I can. Um, that was the thing that I sort of gradually learned over time is whatever the solution, like if you think the solution is you need to play with sticks and you need to play with sticks or if you need to do, like don't ask, like just do what you think sounds the best. Yeah. 
And if you push too far, someone will tell you to dial it back, you know. But yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's a it's a it's a weird it's a weird trip. So yeah, that all makes sense. I, I've never thought much about it, but yeah, that's that's wild. Yeah, and so you can imagine like how fucking mad I would be, like going through college and learning how to do all that fucking shit and then being at a being at some KSBJ church and someone telling me like well you're just a drummer just do drum yeah, shit yeah. you know well you're just a fucking idiot <laughs> you don't know what you're yeah. talking about and i'm like do you know who charles lloyd is oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know so uh there there was something you mentioned last time that we didn't unpack about like <clears throat> i think it might have been like about how the different players are on the, you said like, this is the thing that frustrates you about jazz music or something. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. If it's, I don't know if I thought that it frustrated me, but it was more like, uh, I think it's more like, I don't, I, I've never really known how to approach finding jazz that I might enjoy. But then again, I don't really know what that is. I don't have a good explanation for that, but I, I likened it to, because you have tracks on here where you're like, I have this song that I enjoy and this dude played on it. So mm-hmm. I went and found this track that he played on over here. Yeah. And it's really fucking cool. And I feel like the inverse is true because I, I like a lot of classical music. Mm. And so I feel like the inverse is true for classical music where there's a piece uh, that an orchestra can perform or a chamber you know, a group can perform or a soloist, you know, pianist or whatever can perform. Uh, And it's not always done the same way every time. Mm. But if you go look for, it's not really the inverse, I guess. It is sort of similar in a weird way. But I guess my problem with it is the inverse. Um, If you go look for, like, whatever, a fucking Debussy piano piece, you can find 50 different performances of it mm. and you don't know which one of those is going to have the things about it that you enjoy listening to. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. And I feel like that's probably part of this, but also sure. you, because you're going after certain players on it, I feel like that's probably not the case very often because the the people who you're going after are going to do the things that you like them to do. Uh, does, yeah, does that make sense? It does. It does. That's a really that's. I, I think I see what you're saying. And it, I mean, because this, this is a thing. Okay, one okay. of the. I've talked a lot. I've talked a lot about Tony Williams, right? Uh huh. Okay, one of the worst fucking albums I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I might feel differently about it now. Okay, having listened to it in a while. Yeah, I, I, I. It is the. It is one of the only CDs I've ever returned. Like I bought it at a half price book. So I was wow. like, oh, it's just Tony Williams on it, okay? Because we turned it to half price. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like down in down in Seabrook, man, <sighs> over there off of a Bay Bay Bay, Bay Area Boulevard, sure. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, like I got it in my car because he started fucking around with classical music a lot, in uh, in his later years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Williams, he died like fucking stupid, or when he was stupid young. Like he died in like fucking in the in the mid 90s or something and and so he was like four in his 40s mm. when he fucking died i was nuts um 
Like Wayne Shorter, Herbie Hancock. This fucker's still alive. Ron yeah. Carter. Ron Carter's fucking like putting out YouTube videos every fucking week. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, man. Like I, I fucking, um, I turn, I put it in the CD player, and I was like, "This is the worst fucking music I've ever fucking heard in my life." <laughs> I took it out, and I asked, "I was like, can I return this?" They might have told me no, and I, and I might have just been like, "Well, I'm just gonna leave it here then." <laughs> right. You can sell it again if you want. <laughs> I'm like, "Can you return these half price books?" Like, Maybe you can. I don't know. I never have. Like I was, I didn't even leave the parking lot. <laughs> oh. Okay. Oh. Okay. Like it was like I was wow. just in here. <laughs> like I made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> so yeah, like damn. So 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 yeah, not not everything like not and, and so like that's kind of the thing is that sometimes what makes these incredible performances is the combination of the musicians. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the tunes that they picked. Maybe it's that particular session. Um, yeah. Do you know? And so there's no, like, guarantee that you're going to like everything that one guy does. Um, right, right, right. And and there's also, like, we have sort of the benefit of history or, or – um, ah, God, there's, there's probably a name for this. Uh, it's almost like a survivor bias is that, you know, like – Whatever record, Everything. whatever records they played on that are still in print are probably the fucking good ones. Right, right. <laughs> you know, because these guys played on so many. They did so many things, and uh, but it's 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 a lot it's a lot easier now. You know, so much easier now because you can be like, "What's well, top ten? So much more knowledge about it. Right, like sure. Um, well, let me listen to, let me go. I, I want to really get into Elvin Jones. I'm going to listen to a record from each group we played with. I'm going to listen to in chronological order. I'm going to listen to, you know, I'm going to listen to a rec- oh, no, an album from each year he was playing. You know, you can just, you can just do all that effortlessly now. And right. at the time I was limited to just what I could fucking find. Um, you know, like I'm just going to go and I'm just going to go and look at all these CDs. And if it says Elvin Jones is on it, then I'm going to buy it, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, shit like that. So there was so much important music that I missed. So much. I mean, stuff that was coming out during that time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just because I just there's no. I wasn't able to like read the right thing to point me in the right direction. You know, for whatever reason. You know. Right. Uh, so. But, yeah. Like I guess. Uh... I guess the inverse problem there that I'm that I'm talking about is like, I remember specifically looking for, uh, or I'd, I'd heard a I'd heard a recording of a Rachmaninoff uh, piano piano piece, and there's a part where, in the like you, it does the intro and then there's a sort of uh, transition and then it goes back to the intro and it does a transition again and during the transitions there's a very cool like. In the recording that I heard, there's a very cool like uh, he takes the tempo way down. Mm. So it's a really really slow to emphasize that part, and it's very effective. And then I've heard other recordings of it because you just look for the, tr- the 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 piece, right? You know, and you find a billion different pieces. And you're like, well, they didn't do that here, so it doesn't have the same effect. Mm. But that has nothing really to do with how it's written. Right. It's all about the performance. But right. also, I'm not gonna. F- 
I'm probably not going to look at the person who did that performance and listen to their other stuff. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, a very yeah. weird world. There. Right. You're like, oh, pianist, whatever, did this one. Let me look at other stuff this pianist yeah. did. And maybe they did a good you job. You probably should. Yeah. Though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Um, uh, but. If you like their interpretation of that Rachmaninoff, you'll probably like their interpretation of other things. Probably so, yeah. Um, so maybe this is just a weird me problem in how I approach. I don't. I don't finding think so. the music. I don't know. No, I don't. I, well, and it's also it's a thing. It's like really, it's really daunting. It's really overwhelming because if you're yeah. like, oh, well, I want to get in the Beatles, it's like, well, there they are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> there it fucking is. Mm. You know. Yeah, I bet you do want to get into the Beatles. Well, here's all of recorded history in the past fifty years of music. <laughs> Uh, in in five years time, <laughs> um, yeah. and or like, and and I think that that's like that's a thing that's like so that's a thing that's interesting too is that our reference frame is inherently in the sort of the rock slash classical mm-hmm. reference frame. <clears throat> you know, uh, you have it's like what do you mean you put out three albums this year? You're supposed to put out one album every three years. God, what do you what do you like? You know, so like you look at Miles Davis's catalog, you know, and you're like, where the fuck am I even supposed to start? Right. Uh, excuse me. Um, I mean, just go back to Buckethead again. He's got like 325 albums, I think. He put out he put out like a hundred albums in like a five year span as a, as a project. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> There's some, there's some YouTuber that's like I listened to all of the. I saw albums. that. I didn't, oh, I didn't did. watch it, but I, I saw that it. Was... Oh, it actually exists. Yes. Oh, there you go. That's, I, a, I, that's I, a video I, that I saw recently. It was like I listened to all 300 and some odd Buckethead albums. I was hypothesizing. No, it exists. Of course, it exists. <laughs> Why wouldn't that exist? I, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Dude, that, I, I think I, I listened to one. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to a lot of them. I guess I just haven't listened to that hundred set for sure. Uh, yeah, John Zorn is kind of like that too. Like he's yeah. he's done like hundreds of records, and and it's like, man, I I I can't, I can't, I, I you know, I envy you, but also I pity you. It, well, at a, at a certain point, it's, it's like I'm not like, pity, but like I'm scared of you. <laughs> I guess I fear you. That's what I should have said. It's a, at a certain point, it's like you need to do your audience a fucking favor and edit a little bit, man. Like, could you tell, like, tell me, like, help? Like, I want, I, I want to be down with what you're doing. Um, yeah. Help, help me give you money. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, like on some levels, like you. Can you have that much to say? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Are there yeah. that many different arrangements of notes? <laughs> or not have notes? Have you done it all twice over already? Or or unnotes, or, or not Mr. Notes. Zorn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wild uh wild sounds. Well, and that's like what's cool about Miles Davis is that there were phases where he would where he was like trying different shit. Mm-hmm. And and you can very much tell. And then he like kind of didn't do he like took like 10 years off too. Or he didn't fucking do um, do fucking anything, mm. um, which is like, it's like yeah, let him miss you. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, uh, maybe he realized after he was like, I did all that. Let's fucking take some time off here. Yeah, he's like, oh, you know what? Change, change the, change the course of music history three times. That's enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> take a break. I'm good for a bit. <laughs> so, all right, man. Well, well cool. I guess. Yeah. So.
guess that's it. I, I'm not coming out of this like a huge jazz aficionado or anything, or even really a fan, but like, it was cool. <laughs> At first, it, it sounded fun. like you were saying that like as a question. Like, like oh, really? Maybe a little like, bit? Like, am I an aficionado now? No. Will you let me know? No. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Cool, cool. Yeah, I... I uh, <clears throat> it, it just reminds me of like, oh yeah, there's a reason that I fucking had to enjoy a lot of this music in a fucking vacuum. <laughs> um, because... Because no one else I was fucking hanging out with fucking oh, like this shit. Um, yeah. Like I couldn't have fucking like like just like just think about think about like that the I couldn't even show Jeremy soil work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You think you think you think he's gonna be able to handle fucking yeah. you know Birdland or Driver Man or some shit? Not not in the way that you want him to, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think we talked about it. Oh, uh, Jeff Tane Watts. That that's the only track we didn't talk about. Uh, yeah, that was like one of the only. Um, anyway, he was a really hot shit, big deal, important drummer at the time, and so, uh, so I bought one of his records. Bar talk. It's a cool record. I think that 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 there's a break in the middle of that song, and it drops in this like kind of funky beat, mm-hmm. and it might have been like one of, like my first, one of one of like, I don't know. There's some there's some mojo to that for me. Like that hits on some some like really like that hit me on some really deep level. It's hard to describe. So that that probably planted another seed too, but I I feel like that one is really in, that's an interesting track to sort of show what mainstream modern jazz was at that time okay you know and it's and it's it's pretty much it's just kind of like a nicer version of of the shit that they were doing in the 60s <laughs> um it's like the edges sanded off a little bit yeah like the recordings the quality's a lot better it goes down a little easier gotcha it's still fucking cool and whatever but um it's not, and it's not what Steve Coleman was doing. It's not what Kwong Vu was doing. Because it, you have whether you liked it or not, you have to admit that there was some risk taking. Oh, absolutely. On that, Kwong, absolutely. On that Kwong Vu track, hundred percent. You know, <clears throat> and and it's not what you would hear in like a, you know, like now you hear a lot more experimental stuff i guess or or you hear like that hip-hop infusion a lot and stuff like that it's more common you weren't you were not hearing that right in like mainstream jazz at the time early so. mid 90s uh 2000s 2000s oh yeah this first so. but anyway that's it sweet adios thanks